0: Look at us now, tip
1: to tip. This is our life, this is our passion. That's the spirit we bring
0: to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the end of the year as we know it, and I feel fine. Hello everyone, it is uh, whatever fucking episode it is of Morning Combat. Today is the day, it's the last episode. I don't know what the number is, of this podcast for the year 2021. I'm merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Los Estados Unidos while I hear people talk in my ear. And I am uh, partnered with the Viceroy slash Prince of Connecticut. He is wearing clothes that are, frankly, inexplicable. But you know what? (laughs) That's him. It's Brian Campbell. Look, I take uh,
1: direct umbrage with uh, our, our, our great producer, Matt Snyder, and the staff who have Ridiculed my midlife crisis dad hat. I think I really am a cross between prime post retirement Randy Couture and like a young Fidel Castro in this hat. I really think I'm making it work, Luke. Maybe one day we'll laugh about it, but uh, for now, your boy BC in the MK tie dye is uh is pretty much on fire. And Luke, I did want to apologize for the people in holding this show down Monday on my shoulders, right? Like like I was, you know, holding up the walls of Jericho um my sound was was shite i don't know why but we're gonna fix that moving forward so uh, apologies to all um you know what else could i be right luke all apologies you know what i mean um mary yeah yeah yeah
0: well there you have it uh we are here today for what is quite literally the last show of the year there'll be no show on friday there are there is one more event rising 33 which will be um, New Year's Eve Day, but um, and New Year's Eve, I suppose. But yeah, there you have it. There that we're here. We're here to discuss the year in the sport and what might be ahead. Okay, so housekeeping, first things first, if you are watching on YouTube, thumbs up on the video and click subscribe. If you are listening on an audio podcast, please give us a nice review, especially on Apple, where we are asking for five star reviews. And you can see if you're watching on YouTube all the various places, you can give us a follow on social media. BC I am told that we have holiday items, not merely for sale, but for special sale over at morningcombat.store. Hollywood, our
1: holiday line of tip. Head on over to our website right now because these supplies, they're not going to last. They need to go as the camera shifts to Luke for no reason. And as there's more audio in our ear, wow, Luke, what a great start. Uh, Look, these items need to go. They've been slashed. They've been marked down. We want you to own them. And also, I'm told this, guys, the Drug Rugs 2.0, they have sold like H-Cakes, Luke. They are just flying out the door. There is two We want those gone- Apparently I'm cutting out. Luke, can you hear me at all? I don't know.
0: So your, your voice is fine, but your screen keeps freezing. There we go. It's better Uh, now. Did you, you got that McDonald's Wi-Fi? Where are you? I mean, you know,
1: an award winning show like ours, Luke, you'd wonder why we still have so many uh, college AV club issues going on right now. Great stuff here.
0: Uh, All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, So you can go to the store, you can get holiday items on sale. Until they're gone until next year, which is underwear, sweaters, beanies on sale all for a limited time. And as you mentioned, the drug rugs are almost gone. Quite literally a handful or less left. So if you are going to get a drug rug, literally now is the time. All right. You so know, you people are as well. You know, people
1: are sorry to interrupt. People are sending me pics. Of other people wearing random drug rugs like around the country. Like O'Teal Burbridge, our friend from and Company, was at Walmart and he saw a guy with it. He snaps a picture and texts me. He's like, thought of you today. Luke, it's becoming a thing, you know? I mean, even if you look back at Doc documentary number one from Morning Combat, our sound guy Nolan, you know, the guy with the power crystals, Luke? Mm-hmm. Even he mm-hmm. was rocking a drug rug before it was cool again. So, uh, you know, it's a revolution that I, I, I would love to be the face of.
0: Uh, okay. All right. There's a bug on my motherfucking desk. That's weird. Yeah. I'm gonna that's kill great. his ass.
1: Mont, why don't you clean um, up your house before talking about anybody else, Luke? Okay?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I just killed this motherfucking bug. Uh, okay. So there's that as well, BC. Um, showtime.com for a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. It's up to you. And, uh, BC, I didn't, I didn't really ask you this. Uh, how was your Christmas and what do you have planned for New Year's?
1: Luke, this was my second straight COVID Christmas, as a lot of people endured. No travel anywhere, no family, you know, just your it just who's in your house. And Luke, this this is actually like the way to do it, right? You know, pajamas all day, napping left and right, eating bad, re watching all your favorite bad Christmas movies. This was great, Luke. I didn't even know that you 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 went on vacation for Christmas, Luke. How was it? Sort
0: of, yeah. Yeah, we went to uh, we got a, we rented a small, very small cabin in the Shenandoah Mountains or the Shenandoah area. Wow, wow. In the uh, the mountains. And um, yeah, it was beautiful, dude. Like although it was kind of funny. <laughs> we had to pull into the place that we had rented. We had to go past these two neighbors that just live there all the time. And they had the kind of flags where the flag set up, I should say. They didn't just put a flag like attached to their house separate from the house, both of them had flagpoles where you had to walk out to that bitch and then clip it and then raise it. And then one of them had the American flag and then the Dixie flag, which is, you know, whatever. It is what it is.
1: Their motto is, don't tread on me, Luke, okay?
0: Yeah, I know. It's like, dude, no one is coming for you out here. Let me just explain (laughs) that to you. Don't you you worry. (laughs) The liberals from the city with their mochachinos, they ain't coming here to take this shit from you. But um, the other neighbor... He had the same situation. He had the flagpole separate from the house where you had to go there and raise it. He had the Confederate flag. And then under that flag, he had the Punisher mask that was highlighted the colors of the American flag. But it was only inside the mask. And then two M16s behind it. You you think they were... they probably were on the run from January 6th. You know what I'm yeah, saying? They I was were gonna probably say, hiding out in the hills.
1: I was going to say, next next uh, Thursday, Luke, you can probably go back to that house and loot it for all its chemical weapons, but while they are uh, out <laughs> on the steps. Yes, thank you.
0: So anyway, it was nice to get... The the mountain air was beautiful, and uh, getting away from the city is always great, but uh, I'm actually happy Luke, to be back. And I did... I'm I'm the father of a two-year-old, so to answer the other question, by the way, I don't have any plans for New Year's because how could I?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's it's COVID Christmas again. I'm gonna spend New Year's watching many balls drop in my house. Luke, um, Tuki, your your lovely daughter, did she? You know, this is what it's all. It's about the kids, Luke. Like Wu Tang, Christmas is for the children at the end of the day. Did she have a, uh, you know, a, a a dream Christmas? I don't even know if you, Luke. You don't. Do you even celebrate Christmas, Luke? You don't believe in any. You don't even believe in yourself.
0: <laughs> Why would I not celebrate Christmas? What would that? What would be the reasoning there? I don't know. It's a, it's a pagan. <laughs> yeah,
1: part, it's would. kind of in the name, Luke. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean. It's just, you know,
0: just <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, ignore, I I ignore that part. I don't give a shit. About oh, okay, that part. But,
1: Merry uh, Xmas, Luke. To you, just Mary to say. X- no, no, we, we at, celebrate.
0: Man. We celebrate. Se- my, my wife is a little bit more religious than me. Like they are Catholic. They did get baptized. It's a thing. Tuki has to get baptized when she goes back to Colombia next time. So it's a whole thing. But. Uh, she had a great Christmas. First of all, Encanto, which we had seen in the theaters, came out on Disney+. Plus. Pop Quiz, what have I watched more? Volk versus Max 2 or Encanto on streaming? I got to tell you, <laughs> Encanto's in the lead by a country fucking mile at this point. I love um, that it,
1: every conversation of you and I devolves to, Hey, BC, have you seen that insert Latin-based Disney animated movie? And me going, no no Luke and you're like well that's the biggest I I'm, in a, in, I'm in a
0: space where I have to watch a lot of Disney plus whether it's Latin images or otherwise but uh so that was great and dude, she cleaned up she fucking cleaned it we got her do you know what a balance bike is no a balance bike is so when we were kids how'd you come up you went tricycle training wheels bike that was the sort oh, of standard
1: yeah a balance bike has what no pedals and you just use your feet to keep yourself up
0: yeah it's exactly right apparently it's supposed to be better for you than training wheels as they say yeah. in terms of development so we got dude, we had to fall those.
1: face first on the pavement without helmets that's what the early <laughs> 80s were like for
0: us luke you know that's exactly right do all the playgrounds now the ground itself is all soft and shit. Yeah. i'm like dude this was not like this when i was a kid let me just explain that to you but then the larger point beyond that was um we got her a bunch of barbies we got her a bunch of Encanto stuff we got her books i mean i'll i mean she cleaned up don't worry about old toques she she was she was and she's at the park right now so she's money all right all splash right splash pads galore for young tookie uh look at this splash point our everywhere. mma
1: fans are probably longing for some jake paul talk just to get us into the show
0: <laughs> um we can we can sort of skip that we're gonna have a semi-normal show we will do fan subs today we will do by the way morning at gmail.com we will do dead wrongs today um, but we want to start with a little bit different. This is the last show of the year. BC, I'm going to call a bit of an audible, if I may. I want to talk about MMA in 2022. I want to talk about boxing in 2022. And I want to talk about them in this, in this year as well. But before we do that, dude, it has been a great year for this show. Like, honestly, one of the more rewarding career uh, career years I've had since I got into MMA. And I don't know that I was necessarily expecting it to go the way it did. It just did. So, BC, what was your favorite mk moment from the past year i
1: mean i could easily say the upset bid to win that great award there the uh, the world mma awards best mma programming great moment but luke it was connor dustin three weekend in july las vegas in our live show and if you recall luke as i know you do um it wasn't like we had you know five thousand people watching us live at the park mgm but we did a live show there And we had, you know what, 50, 100 people. And it was just, you know, an explosion of love. It was us giveth, them receiveth, and then in return, back the other way. You know, we drank out of a shoe, we uh, spun a wheel, we went nuts. That was sort of a uh, organic, wholesome, joyful connection moment. We got to meet Damien the Donk from the 209 shout out. And by the way, Damien just created and put out on YouTube. You can look for it. Uh, the best moments from morning combat of this calendar year. So it's a fun watch to go look back, but you know, he ended up getting the tattoo on his left bicep. Luke, our connection to our fans, whether it be Aaron from Washington, driving halfway across the country to deliver handmade beef jerky that he may or may not have is ejaculated in the, uh, in the making of into it. Luke, we'll find out maybe one day, uh, but uh, Luke, it's obviously for us to even win that award. It's, it's our relationship with the fans and the weird connection that we have. And we got to, to meet them and and just, you know, it was, it was priceless that moment.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think that's my number one moment and not just that, like it was so great. And you know, there was a lot we didn't do in that trip. Like we didn't broadcast to the house. Um, you know, we, we, it was our first time doing that kind of thing. I feel like subsequent ones could be even bigger and better. So like, to me, it wasn't just a great moment, but it was one that was like, dude, we can do this again and better. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty excited about that. I'll so have thanks. my
1: people call yours. We can do this every weekend. Yeah. I'm, mean, I'm, I'm fired up Luke.
0: That's right. So thanks to all the fans who made MK this year, not just the award winners and everything else and the hundred K and whatnot. But just a great year. A great year to do the show, it was fun to do the show. It was a it was a good year for combat sports and we were delighted to be here for it and glad you guys helped us uh, along the way. So with that in mind BC, let's get to topic number 1. Let's talk 2022 MMA predictions. Now, of course, we're just kind of guessing here, but this is the way that I want you to think about it. Something probably has been happening maybe this year, maybe even prior to this year, but kind of set in motion this year that we're going to see the fruits of that bear out in 2022. What would that be in mixed martial arts for you?
1: For me, I'm, I'm going to be really straight up and honest, and I know we're going to get into the whole Francis Ganu beef with the UFC a little bit later in the show and the updates on that, but Luke, there, it, there's two things happening at once, and it's not only a trend to look out for for 2022. To me, it's also, you know, if you ask me, what's the prevailing storyline from MMA in 2021? It's these two ships that are about to collide. On one side, UFC had its most incredible year, both financially and really in terms of being consistently spectacular this year was incredible. Big fights, great matchups, great results, huge upsets. Every weekend almost, it felt like something was happening. UFC could not be more mainstream, crossing over. I mean, the CSPN deal for, for you know, in terms of its relevance and it's in everyone's I mean, it is just... Luke, maybe the the fruits of Dana being so aggressive in 2020 during the pandemic was that it created this new fan base that's hungry and on fire. To be an MMA fan, you could not have been in a better calendar year, even though I've got much love for 2016, a lot of people have some love for the the early Brock Lesnar rise or the Ronda Rousey rise. There's been some great years, but this year felt like as good as it can get, and I think that's about to collide with those storm clouds that are coming uh, as the great Sam Cooke once said, Luke, a change is going to come. Uh, you're seeing it in Ganu in the stance in Ganu's taken. John Jones hasn't fought in two years as he's taking a stand. Luke, we have speculated and argued and whatever for a long time that the control UFC has over the fighters and the matchmaking. It's the reason why this sport and this promotion is so great. The best mm-hmm. always face the best, no matter what. Uh, I'm not saying you know, buckle in, buckle up. It's about to get worse. But we all agree the the fighters deserve better. And I, Luke, I don't think we're gonna you know trot out Bjorn Rebney again and form a union this calendar year coming up. But change is gonna come, and it's gonna take these big name fighters taking a stand. So I don't want to be the guys you know uh, screaming doom and gloom is coming. But I think we're about to enter a really transformative calendar year, and I think the trend will emerge that more fighters will take a public stance, whether that's for more money or more control over their matchmaking or their contract or whatever, it's coming, Luke, and it's going to be interesting to see the fallout both short-term and long-term for that. Because if I'm being honest, I don't want it to change because I love what the sport gives me, but I can't sit here and watch these these incredible athletes who who are the reason why this sport is so great not get what they deserve at the end of the day.
0: Are there big names that you're really keeping your eye on for who might leave the UFC in, in 2022? And here's what I mean. Your your point is correct, right? Like, if there's going to be a change in the court case or legislation, it, it won't happen next year. Maybe things get set in motion next year, but it won't happen. So there's going to be something else that might happen in the short run. Do you think not that there's a grand exodus from the UFC? Because I don't think you're predicting that. But there might be some big names who leave. Who would you put at the front of the list of, like, high-probability, big-name exits next year?
1: Well, obviously, Ngannou's situation has to be first, front, and foremost because Dana White's openly saying, look, if you don't want to fight here, go. And, I, you know, he's got a big fight coming up, a title fight against Cyr- Cyril Ghosn, and, you know, we know the situation about how contracts can get draconianly extended for, for seemingly no reason or nothing. What, you, either you win a championship or you turn down a fight, suddenly your contract's been extended. But, Luke, look... Nate Diaz is a big character to watch as well, even if he doesn't potentially leave for these reasons, he's also a big-name free agent. You wonder if we are starting a trend where guys are working down to the end of their contract. I think Sugar Sean O'Malley is a guy to watch, who at times in the past year has spoke openly about wondering what his value is on the open market, and we've questioned, you know, is he just kind of playing out the string here to sort of test that? I just think, Luke, we're heading into an area where guys are going to find out what they really, what their value truly is, and inevitably, it's going to take some leaving for some change to happen. And, you know, you can always say, look, there's a reason why Dana White, when asked about fighter pay, he always shits on it or says it's not a real thing. They can keep going. They can lose four or five stars, Luke, and keep going. Mm-hmm. But I'm certainly taking a look, whether it be Ganu John Jones, Nate Diaz, or whoever follows after that, Who are going to be the ones that have very small amounts of leverage left that are going to try to use it, and what kind of change can we create? Because we always say, okay, what's the change going to be? Oh, it's going to be a big union. It's going to be a big work stoppage. It doesn't actually have to be that. It could be some sort of middle ground in between in which the promotion bends a little bit, and the fighters accept it, and we keep moving. But uh, do you have a specific name, Luke, that you think could really upset the free agent market by by making one of these crossovers?
0: I definitely... Feel like the Francis and Ghana situation is key to watch because here's the thing: I actually favor Cyril Gons to win, so that would mean that if that's true, and again, you know, we all know Francis can go in there and put anyone's lights out at a moment's notice. But let's say for a second that he loses, that's an interesting moment in time because you know, you know, one would love to have him, Bellator would love to have him, PFL would love to have him in some kind of capacity or or another. The question is whether or not they can afford him. Like One of the things that fighters keep coming back to is they'll actually fight out their contract, they'll get to the end of it, and then they'll realize, not always, but often, that, yeah, I may want to go to another promoter, but I'm not going to make nearly the same amount of money as I am if I stay in the UFC. Now, I don't know exactly what Francis' situation is and how that could work out. His situation could be very, very different, but it's going to be interesting. Can Bellator pay Francis what he wants um competing in Bellator it's going to be really I I don't know the answer to that frankly I'm a little skeptical but we'll see Nate Diaz is the other one those two are the ones that I've really got my eye on to see exactly what happens because Nate Diaz kind of feeds into my point also I would say that like this idea that like you know John Jones is definitely going to fight in 2022 I mean I think it's not like he's getting arrested every day or something but you know he got arrested last year he got arrested this year um The idea that he's just going to inevitably make it to the – again, there's just a lot of questions about where exactly he's headed in all this.
1: Look, can you um, address the John Jones elephant in the room? I don't tend to subscribe to this, but I get enough DMs of people saying, BC, when are you guys going to talk about this? That he's coming up on two years out of the game. Yeah. Could that be a silent USADA suspension (laughs) because of their rule change in which they don't have to publicly tell us?
0: Uh, Could be. Certainly could be. There's been a few of these two-year suspensions that we were like, where is this guy? And nothing got announced. Um, hard to say, but I will say this, and I keep bringing this up. And f- dude, there's just like this real expectation that 2022 will be just like, you know, whatever, what, 2017 for John Jones. Just pick right back up where he left off. And certainly, a talent as prodigious as his, that's nothing you could sneeze at. I cannot dismiss that and say that that's wrong. But, dude, there's just a lot of – like, dude, the fight game in two years moves – fast and john was very much ahead of the ball game for many 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 years maybe even still but i think the game is definitely a lot different than it used to be and i'm curious to see exactly how that plays out assuming i agree before
1: you transition out of this first point about fighter pay and the in the fallout of that as much as we don't want to talk about crossover celebrity boxing and, and you know we're you and well, i, I even do are, a, li-
0: a little bit i do well a little you bit. and
1: i are even a little tired of it it is. It does have the potential, even though it's a bubble, and we all expect the bubble to pop because historically it has, you do have to wonder, Luke, in 2022, how much this could play a part in, in UFC fighter leverage and all of that. Because, mm. look, there's a bold prediction to make here if Jake Paul, for example, can keep luring MMA names and knocking them out. Will it get to a point that Dana White either wants to buy in or wants to try to send a fighter over to put an end to it, or maybe that's all just ridiculous speculation, he doesn't care. Either way, that could play a role in giving... Because look, if Nate Diaz becomes a free agent, it's not that we expect him to go to Bellator or PFL tomorrow, we expect him to go to boxing and cash in, right? Because as long as that is still offering a career-level payday to these guys, it's going to be an allure to try to either get out of their deal or have some middle ground in which Dana White says, okay, I don't want to lose you guys, but I'll give you wiggle room to do one per year. Or if you're a big enough star to demand a Jake Paul fight, I'll co-promote you. You know what I mean? I wonder if Mm -hmm. some type of change in that area is coming or if the bubble bursts before we even get there.
0: So I actually would like to approach the situation a little bit differently, but include what you just brought up, if I may. My big 2022 prediction for MMA, and this could work both ways, but I will give a separate one for boxing. You know, BC, when we started this program, I remember sitting down with Showtime and they were asking me, like, how do you feel about covering boxing? And you know the story. I used to. Of course, before MMA Fighting was purchased uh, from AOL and brought over to SB Nation, I actually did a fair amount of boxing coverage, but then got away from it all those years as an editor because I simply did not have the time. So I was actually happy to go back to it, but I bring it up to say I thought that it would just be two different things that I covered at the same time or something. And it actually turned out that's really not the case. This is actually a really good time to do what you and I are doing, which is to cover both sports. Why? My prediction for MMA, and it's for boxing too, but I'm going to look at it from the MMA side of things, is that MMA and boxing are going to bleed together in a lot of different, unique, and interesting ways. Let me give you an example. And it's already been happening, but I mean, it's going to really ramp up. The first thing I would say is, from a technique perspective, we're seeing a little bit more of these Max Holloway, Adrian Yanez types. Now, those are two very elite names. But what I mean to say is, guys in MMA are getting better at boxing and then bringing a boxing sort of centric kind of game to the sport, to varying degrees of success, of course. But you're seeing a lot more of it. As guys get better in boxing, they're doing better boxing in MMA. I think you're going to see a lot more of that archetype of a kind of fighter emerge. I would also argue more than that it is clear, it is clear that the MMA industry and the boxing industry are trying to find ways to work together. And in 2021 some of that might have worked where you know you don't have the firmament exactly of boxing, only a little bit with Jake Paul versus, you know, whoever he's fighting. But you know, even like Kubrat Pulev doing this kind of thriller triad thing where they're trying to accommodate some middle ground space where you can make it all work. When we grew up, there was massive distance between boxing and MMA. When I say grew up, I mean like junior reporters or whatever. There were they were not connected at all, and there was grand hostility. And a lot of that is still around. Um, but I think what you're going to see is that trend accelerate even more in 2022. And some things are going to work. Some things are going to die off. Some things might work halfway. There's going to be a lot of experimentation. In BC. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. But I do think that this thing that you've been seeing this past year, that's only going to continue into 2022.
1: Look, I want to ask you about this trend, whether we see it coming. Um, For all we talk about fighter pay and what what guys deserve and and have versus have, have not, we're also starting to see a little bit of guys taking control of their own situation and retiring on their own terms, or at least threatening to, from Habib late last year, although it didn't didn't become official until early this year because of that ridiculous Dana White soap opera of courting him, to Cejudo, to now we're talking about Kamaru Usman. You know, how many more fights will he have? You know, as Amanda Nunes dialed in to want to keep doing this. You just had Habib yesterday or whatever on a press conference speaking in Russian trying to explain Dustin Poirier's loss to Oliveira as maybe, you know, this guy made a ton of money and then changed and doesn't have that same hunger. Do you think it's going to become a trend here, not for guys to hang on too long, which has become the norm, but for guys to finally become that have, right? I think the UFC is so successful in the financial model they have right now because there's so little halves. We don't report their full income because of how UFC keeps everything secretive. And none of them really complain outside of like a John Jones or Ngannou because they finally get to that point, Luke, and they're like, I ain't rocking the boat. I want to take my couple million. I want to finally, you know, buy my vacation home and set myself up. Yet once they get there, finally, I'm wondering if we're going to start to see a trend of them looking at the overall equation and saying, what am I going to gain from taking on extra damage and playing out the twilight of my career What if I can walk away now with everything intact and, you know, transition my money into investments in the business world? Do you see that as a future trend or just a couple, you know, aberrations linked together?
0: Fighters are are copycats of each other. I do expect you'll see some more of that, but not, not in the same way. Like Nate Diaz did that for what, three years or something where he was like, fuck this, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore. But he was never kind of fully all the way out, just sat around. And now he's trying to find another payday outside of, or maybe, we'll see. Trying to find another payday outside of MMA. Again, I don't know that that's, we'll have to see how that goes exactly. But trend, no. Couple of times where it could happen, absolutely. I just, you're right to point out, and I made this point before, I don't talk to managers all that often, but every time I talk to someone who's got a UFC champion in their stable, they can't tell me more that that person wants to fight like three, four more times and get the fuck out, you know? Uh, So I think you're right to, like, worry about it. But at the same time, without... There's not many of those people, and without the UFC, not many of them have that ability to do that Nate Diaz pivot. You know, those are going to be limited. So, yeah, you'll see some. Not a trend, I don't think. Well, look,
1: not a lot... Yeah, to be fair, very few in, in any combat sport have a successful transition out of it, which leads so many of them back into the game when they shouldn't be. So that... I don't see that trend changing, per se. But, Luke, what about... This trend in 2022, that if you're looking to do that experiment, which we're not, most shows do. Okay, let's go division by division and guess who's going to be the UFC champion at the end of 2022. Would it be fair to go up and down the rankings and just pick out the highest rated Schmesh factory alumni and basically say it's already a trend, but it's really going to hit home and hit hard in 2022 if you're from the caucus region you're probably going to raise a title across any mma major organization
0: yeah i mean as it stands today the only ufc fighter even remotely from even close to that area would be what valentina shevchenko the only ufc champion and even then she's not from there she's from kyrgyzstan which is you know not far or something you know another soviet satellite state previously that's all you've got. Like that, there's not a lot of them. But as you have pointed out, and as I have pointed out, Bellator's got Usman Nurmagomedov, Magomed Magomedov, uh, certainly PFL, Megamed, Megamed, Karimov in the UFC. You can shake. It. I mean, Islam Makhachev. This might be his big breakout year in 20. 20- I mean, you can. I mean, don't as forget as said, Vadim
1: America, Nemkov, Yaroslav Amasov. If Nemkov. we're going to include well, greater they're, Ukraine they're, and Russia into the whole, yeah, but here.
0: they're a little. I mean, he. You know, those guys from the Smash Factory. They're all Muslim, usually. I mean, the. the Caucasus Mountains, obviously are, you know, Georgia's gonna have some say over that, and they're Christian, but you get the idea. Like, you know, Nemkov is a little bit more established and from a different part of Russia, but that 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 unique stretch of land there, they've got so many guys in so many organizations ready to take over. I, I think you're right. In 2022, you're gonna see a fuck ton. And hey, look, you could
1: argue it was kind of like that with Brazil at the end of the aughts, correct? It was sort of like, you yep. know, how many divisions can we get a Brazilian champion
0: in? I mean, you, you, Brazil used to be, if not the most dominant force in MMA, and certainly, I mean, it was NHB back then, but even then, at worst, number two or something. And now it's still, you know, a perennial powerhouse, but not in the same way. It certainly made some more room, as you've indicated, for the Smash Factory. Now, BC, somebody asked me, and I don't know how to answer this question very, very candidly, or at least very easily, I should say which is what champions face the biggest test in MMA in terms of their future. You would appoint someone like Sergio Pettis, given the nature of his win over Kyoji Horiguchi. But, you know, even looking at the UFC champions, dude, I mean, I'm not saying that all of them are going to lose, especially Valentina Shevchenko. She'll probably be here at the same spot a a year from now. But dude, it is perilous for everybody. It is perilous at flyweight for Brandon. Bantamweight. Do I expect Aljamain Sterling to be the champion in a year's time? I don't. Volkanovski's probably got another showdown with Max. He's going to have to answer for Charles Oliveira. I mean, he's great, but come on, it's lightweight. Usman, that's a little bit different situation. We'll see what happens with him. I love Israel Adesanya perhaps more than anyone else, but I can recognize that there are some fucking contenders in that division. He's got to fight Robert Whitaker again. Glover Teixeira, God bless him, the the, the king of Connecticut, but he's 42. Francis has this mutant in Cyril Ghan he has to fight, who's just a fucking beast. And then, you know, Rose Namajunas is in maybe the toughest division in all of women's MMA, like B.C., They're all up for grabs, are they not?
1: Yeah, Juliana Pena as well following that upset. Yeah, right. look, parody is is incredible at the moment. And and if there's a trend I'm looking for to, I don't know if it's a trend, but Luke, there's so many people that are in and around the category of elite. Maybe some of them we consider them sub-elite so that when they figure it out and go on a run like Charles Oliveira has – It blows our mind. We're like, okay, we knew he had that potential. I just didn't expect to see it. I think you have to, it's hard to to identify in the crowd who's next to do that. But there's, if there's a trend in anything, it's someone sort of hitting that early 30s, having already learned from lessons and defeats and figuring out their right weight class and then going on a run. It's as hard maybe as it has ever been to have the type of title defense reigns that go down in the history books, the GSPs, the Anderson Silva's, the John Jones, and until just now at Bantamweight, Amanda Nunes. Uh, it, it's really hard to do that. What Usman's trying to do, what Adesanya's trying to do, it's killer after killer, every single fight. I think, Luke, we're seeing the full, in this era, evolve, evolution of, you know, people growing up, not as specialists, but as complete mixed martial artists, and figuring out, through the early parts of their their career, you know how to fix their stamina, how to fix their mindset, and it is kill or be killed in there. And it creates great parody. It's always fun to bet on an underdog in a UFC title fight because boy, do they cash in, Luke. And uh, yeah, who will face the toughest challenge as a champion? You got about eight answers to that'll answer that. Everybody will be Luke, and, do you, and maybe that's what is part of what makes the sport so great right now. I mean, that that you know, we love when somebody goes on a reign. We love when there's a superstar. But I love when I tune in there and I don't know what's going to happen next. And you can argue we don't see that enough in boxing so that the moments that when we do, when we can say, no, guys, this is a true 50-50 pay-per-view fight, which seems to be rare, I feel like we get that every week in MMA.
0: I think that's absolutely right. So let's wrap up on the MMA side of things with this, BC. We're we're looking ahead to 2022, but let's look back one time. When you think about big storylines that impacted, what is the story of MMA in 2021, I guess is what I would ask.
1: Yeah, aside from the the, the business uh, thing that we pointed out earlier, look, Conor McGregor fought twice for the first calendar year in five years, and he lost both, and he lost both badly by TKO, including one sort of major injury, and even though his two returns, Luke, according to John S. Nash's reporting, accounted for 40% of UFC pay-per-view sales, that only accounted for seven percent of UFC revenue. So you're seeing how little leverage the fighters have. But again, separate from the business, it's at 33. Who is Conor McGregor? What does he realistically have left? We, you, and I love to argue that you know he was too great at one point to count out that he doesn't have any big wins left in him. But he's as close to transitioning into a full-time, you know, event fighter than ever before, even if he gets the Charles Oliveira controversial title opportunity next year, which, you know, hasn't been decided, but I made an argument on Monday show why it kind of feels inevitable at this moment. Um, you're watching, Luke, the greatest, you know, the, the the greatest box office fighter in this sport's history hit a really uncertain crossroads as we enter the new year.
0: No doubt about it. I, I, I echo that completely. I, but I still think that the story of 2021 in MMA beyond just that is... And you kind of alluded to it several times at this point. We've, we've talked about it several times. We'll just wrap it up here. Like, dude, that was a great year, not just for UFC, although it was certainly a great year for them. I feel like Bellator had some ups and downs, but they had some big wins. Certainly along the way, the... Arrival of AJ McKee in the way he has done. Sergio Pettis was a great signing for them, it turns out. Getting Kyoji Horiguchi back, it's one fight I understand, but it's relevant for them. They're going to have that bantamweight tourney that they set up. Like they had a lot of decent moments in the year. And PFL, this is arguably PFL's best year ever. It's um, not arguable. One...
1: It's not arguable, Luke. It is by yeah. far their best
0: year ever. Now, one did take a bit of a backseat. It's hard to know exactly why. They did raise a bunch of money recently, over $150 million, but because of COVID, well, they your boy Shatry same.
1: He seems to be too worried about that reality show, Luke. Okay, I mean I it's cool. That, you...
0: like, I know people, people, people. Uh, uh, they they added us in the comments of one of his like stupid ass posts about like oh the the Apprentice net is coming to Netflix. Like five motherfuckers are gonna watch this, but okay, neither here nor there. People tagged us in there being like, hey, you guys were clowning him. Look at him now. I'm like, yeah, look at him now doing this doofus shit. <laughs> who wants
1: like, to be Shatry's okay. assistant? How about who wants to make? Big fights in the U.S., which is what they sort of promised entering
0: last year. Luke. Right, and, which is what they tried. Remember, they had those fights on TNT, and they fucking bombed because they Well, just, they, you know, they, they it, had them they four no,
1: weeks in a row and then never again,
0: right? So They, they uh, have no footprint here, which is why it's hard to do business here in that way. But in any case, we'll see what happens with them in 2022. I do like their product. When it works, it works really well. And they had some wins themselves. They have got, obviously had um, Boucher make a big debut for them. I think he'll be a big fixture for them next year and whatnot. So... How about Arjan
1: well. Bular representing the spirit of your home nation, Luke?
0: That's right. Now in a clash with one because they don't want to sign him to a new deal, or they do it not of the terms he's asking. So they're like, "Fuck it, let's just create an interim belt because fuck our champion, right?" So <laughs> hey, they that did important.
1: that. They did that in the UFC over the summer with Cyril god I remember that,
0: Luke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The playbook is is pretty similar team to team. All right, BC, let's go to topic two. Same kind of discussion, but let's have it around boxing a little bit here. So first question, what was something that was happening in 2021 that you fully expect to become a big story in 2022?
1: Well, you know, the continued success of this heavyweight renaissance, which really wasn't exclusive to last year, although, or I'm sorry, of this year, although this calendar year, we got what, a Fury Wilder 3 that exceeded our expectations by leaps and bounds, even with... Fury, Anthony Joshua falling apart due to typical boxing bullshit. And then we also got Joshua getting upset by Alexander Usyk. It could not, this heavyweight division, Luke, which, you know, can never be overstated how important the gateway drug of big time heavyweight boxing is to boxing's crossover mainstream appeal. We're in a pretty damn good spot entering the new year with talks of AJ Usyk 2 coming our way with Tyson Fury trying to negotiate with Dillian White, although those seem to be falling apart. I think at the very least, though, Luke, we could be looking at three to four heavyweight fights, which do not include this Saturday's PBC on Fox pay-per-view. More to come on that later. But uh, outside of that, Luke, I think we're going to see three to four big-time fights. And, Luke, you can't can't underestimate what that means. I mean, dude, everyone cares when Fury and Wild or, or Joshua and somebody else fighting. It just is what it is. And it seems like the heavyweight division seems to transcend some of the typical pitfalls which prevent big fights from happening between rival networks and rival promoters because everybody just knows it's such a big deal when you can get two big names and big stars together. And right now we still have a vibrant pool of big names, aggressive fighters, vulnerable fighters. So uh, i love that trend to continue to get us closer to an undisputed champion. Will it happen in 2022 uh, probably not, Luke, because that's how things work. But we are getting closer, and that's super fun. I think that same trend of guys going outside of their network, going outside of their promotion to make big fights, we get little morsels here and there, Luke. We get little tastes. We just had Sean Porter against Terrence Crawford on ESPN, which was the same type of setup. It was great. God, we need more of that, Luke. And you know, can I also bring up pay per view in general here, Luke? Is this a, is Please. this a is this a, a safe place to do that? I don't yeah, know what the what the final numbers are on this Paul Woodley two pay per view. You hear rumors that it that it did not do well. We'll have to see, you know, what, what Showtime reports and what comes out. But do we have too many pay per views in boxing? Y- yeah, you know, and we have had too many pay per views in boxing. Let me ask you why? Why for many years? Too,
0: what, what's the well, for, for MMA fans who may not know what is the argument for why boxing? Who don't don't don't? I know you don't forget this, but we should say it out loud, out loud. When DAZN was uh introduced to the market they were like pay-per-view is dead this is the whole thing and even they are getting back at least a little bit into the pay-per-view market so what happened
1: well look we celebrate that boxers make what more you know the, the the top end but you know the top not only the top end but really the 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 second half of 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 very good to elite boxers get paid so much more on average than mma but what happens luke because of that is you know networks can't afford to pay the guys to put them on regular cable TV or put them on national TV. And inevitably, a lot of these fights just to be made have to go to pay-per-view. That's not long-term sustainable for the product. And it, we, you and I would never sit here because we love boxing. And, and to be fair, we make money off of boxing. We would never sit here and try to hope that the trend goes in the direction of more pay-per-views bombing to be less of them. We would never do that. But I, I wonder how sustainable in the long-term having so many pay-per-views, uh, especially fights that, let's be fair, Luke, are not pay-per-view level. Is Luis Ortiz against Charles Martin on January 1st pay-per-view level? No. Was Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola? N- no. I mean, you can argue, like, you know, it, when fighters get to a certain star level, they really can't fight on anything but pay-per-view because of what I just talked about, how much money they demand. And I guess we're sort of accustomed as fight fans that that's just what happens. In the UFC every month? You got to pay for a pay per view. It's just it's, it's what it is. It's the model. But I, I hope a trend changes and turns that look. We've got a problem in boxing on pay per view. Not only are the undercards just not on the level of a UFC. So maybe maybe the top guys aren't getting paid. But UFC pay per views are pretty loaded from top to bottom. I I want to see more care and concern for the customer in 2022, and that's across all networks. To 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 just say look, I get that the pay per view seems the easiest way to try to make this fight happen. But how much are we hurting the sport long-term, especially in the era, Luke, where we can't lie and turn away from it. It's easier to to illegally stream a pay-per-view than ever, ever, ever before. Mm. How much longer can this go on putting fights on that really don't meet that level? Um, The market will dictate it, and I'm not cheering for people to stop buying them so it changes it, but... Anytime boxing teams to take big steps forward and getting fighters to the mainstream, it can also equally take the big steps back by putting fights to the mainstream that either don't deserve to be there or by putting fights on pay-per-view that don't deserve to be there. Um, there's really no fix for this, Luke, because this is the same problem every year for boxing over the past 20 years, but you know, boy, would I like to stay optimistic and see a change?
0: I think it's, uh, it's a fair point. Uh, it's an interesting one as well. I guess we're going to see what happens in 2022. I don't expect that trend to abate very much, but, One never knows. What do you think of my trend idea? Now, I want to be clear about this, BC. I'm not saying that this is a huge trend. I want to say this is, in fact, something kind of small that maybe I'm piecing together that isn't there. And in 2022, I'm not saying that the growth will be dramatic. Far from it. But what I am saying is that you might see growth in 2022 that you didn't see in any other previous year for quite some time around the sport. Namely, women's boxing. I have been a big critic of women's boxing, and I still think that they haven't gotten the rules right. The round should be three minutes, and I do maintain, I really believe this, I think the gloves should be smaller. I think it would add a dynamism to the game that is currently a little bit missing. But even with those considerations not really something we can bank on changing... There's a few big fights that we know are in the are potentially in the works. So certainly Serrano Katie Taylor fight. Michaela Mayer made a little bit of noise on ESPN this year. You see what obviously she's going back and forth. But Clarissa Shields, what she's doing in MMA and boxing again. Going back to my previous thesis of the sports kind of intertwining in clumsy but sometimes unique and interesting ways. I think you might actually see a little bit more momentum for women's boxing in 2022 not just the big fights but just as a matter of more routine visibility on cards that matter a couple of big names that matter a couple of big fights that matter again not a huge explosion where all of a sudden everyone just loves women's boxing i don't think that but i think it might have its best year that it's had in quite some time absolutely luke
1: and and look the model's already there from what both strike force and ufc did you know seven eight years ago to bring you know, women's fighting to the forefront and show people again. I say again because, you know, women's boxing has had some moments through the years where people cared, whether it's Christy Martin, Leila Ali, etc. But look, the U- the early, you know, Strike Force UFC showed with the Rousey run that you bring personalities to the forefront and match them in competitive fights, you're gonna see magic. But you know, it doesn't there's no divide anymore of uh I just don't wanna see females hurt each other. Like that, that's gone. It can be that way in boxing. The larger problem of course is the lack of a of a pool of, of, of credible fighters outside of the three, four, five big stars that people know and like. Hopefully, Luke, this generation, which you're hinting at having momentum entering the new calendar year, will start to turn out younger fighters and populate this sport. It was dead for a while. It wasn't on network TV for a while, meaning women's boxing. I think you're right. I would love – what I love most about it, Luke, is that they make – when you finally get great matchups – the fights are ex- exciting as crap. They're great. You know what I mean? I would love if there was one promoter or network or, I mean, you're not going to, what, what would we all wish for in boxing? Organization. Tough to say that. But imagine if even like one promoter or network could just bring in all the top female fighters and, and push them out in one central format. I'm, I'm not saying would an all-female pay-per-view card sell big money. I'm not necessarily saying that, but I'm saying you have stars both in ability-wise and potentially in terms of their commercial mar- marketing, you know whether it's May or Katie Taylor uh, Shields, like you're mentioning. I mean, you know, big big-time appeal in a lot of ways. I-, I hope they get what they deserve. Obviously, someone like Amanda Serrano, who has toiled for so long, you know, setting records and doing great things behind the scenes, is getting more of a close-up because of Jake Paul. But we got to make these big fights like Taylor versus Serrano, and we got to put them as much as we can to the masses to get people to realize that there's something here.
0: You might be right. I, I, I don't know if there's even a way to do like a tournament because there's the, the weight classes are so fractured and thin and I don't think we're there yet, but it'd be kind of cool if at some point promoters actually did a tournament and you had a couple of decent fights halfway through. I think you'd be surprised well, about the, what kind of results you could actually get.
1: I mean, I don't know if you can get everybody to sign up, but the good news toward that idea, Luke, Is that we've seen clarissa shields debut at 168 pounds and fight as low as 154 and sometimes throw around the idea she comically says look i'll only go down to 147 and and eliminate my booty for big time money you know she's even entertaining that idea you've seen amanda serrano fight over what seven weight classes you're seeing fighters say i want the big money i want the accomplishments i want the glory they're willing to go far and wait up or down to try to make that happen so to your point. You would love something. I don't know if a, of an open weight centralized tournament within a certain larger weight group is the answer. I, I would love to see something wh- where where these fighters get a close up or at least be, at least populate these matchups, especially when they're well matched, I, I, you know, as co-main events or as even you know main events as we've seen with with Katie Taylor and, and Clarissa Shields more often.
0: Uh, BC, same kind of question to you. I mean, obviously boxing is different because you got a million champions per weight class. But is there some kind of major established champion you see handing over some belts next year? Yeah, I I think I
1: I think to alter that question, as you sort of tease, it's it's not just which champion could be most in danger. It's more which weight classes should we focus on in 2022 that could have the most amount of excitement? So look, it's always going to be heavyweight and welterweight because that's the glamour division and the money division. But Luke, let's watch out for light heavyweight because even though uh, Canelo Alvarez had that little brief, you know, tease with the idea of going to cruiserweight and fighting Makabu, which we find out after the fact that Canelo didn't even know his trainer and manager, Eddie Reynoso, was going to announce that at the WBC convention. It caught Canelo by surprise. So I think it's much more likely, as much as I'd love Canelo to fight David Benavidez at 168 or Jamal Charlo or whatever... I think it's potentially in play for Canelo to go up to 175 and one by one try to do what he just did at 168, try to pick off each champion, make each step in that journey a big event. I mean, look, you already know this. There's some good ass fighters at 175. The champions right now are Joe Smith Jr., who's got big time power, even if he's a little bit raw. Dimitri Bivol, who's unbeaten and can box circles around people and obviously our guy, uh, <laughs> Arthur Bieterbeev, who's just a destroyer, although he's aging, if Canelo cleaned out that division of champions, I mean, I don't know how much more praise we can give him. We might have to open-mouth kiss him, Luke, just to let him know how much we appreciate him. That division could be one to watch because of Canelo, but so obviously could 135. Who's the champion who's going to be under the most pressure this year? George Cambosis Jr., who upset the apple cart to win three or four, depending again upon your stance, of those titles. He's going to, whether it's Devin Haney next or whoever it is, there is an unlimited amount of big-name fighters who are going to be gunning for him. That division's going to be a a shit-ton fun to watch, Luke, as is a division Showtime invested a lot in and got big results this calendar year. 122, you can call it Junior Featherweight, you can call it Super Bantamweight. You got Stephen Fulton Jr., I don't know if Brandon Figueroa is going to try to stick around for a rematch. You got uh, Danny Roman. You've got uh, the other dude. uh, What's his name? MJ who's who holds two of four belts. You've got uh, 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 Aleem. You've got some names here, Luca. guys that are coming. So those are some tough divisions with big-time players to watch.
0: No doubt about it. I love that answer. Yeah, I think you're right. Also, you know, let's see what happens with Spence and Crawford. We say this every fucking year, it seems like. But now we'll see exactly where Bed Crawford, if Bud Crawford signs with uh, with uh, PBC, who knows? Who knows what could happen there? Lots. Of, How about lots of this, interesting Luke? Possibilities.
1: How about Errol Spence Jr. fights Jordanis Ugas, which seems to be the three belt welterweight unification that both the WBA and the other two sanctioning bodies are angling towards? Let's say Terence Crawford does sign with the PBC. And makes a title defense in the first quarter against you name it let's get creative whoever could we see spence crawford at the end of the year provided bud goes to the pbc for all four belts luke if they all get there
0: i'll say this be- bc i'll say this i think i'll say this if crawford signs excuse me if yes if crawford signs with pbc i don't think crawford versus spence would be next But I do think you would get it by the end of the year. The question is, what is he going to do? And I I will say this. If he doesn't sign with PBC and signs wherever the fuck, uh, I think the chance of seeing it are zero at that point. At that point, I would write it off completely.
1: Luke, I would like to see um, the Charlo brothers have big years. I would like to find out how great they are. I think both had... A little bit of a stumble in 2022. Now, look, Jermel fought Brian Castaño to an incredibly all-action draw. It was so fun. They're going to rematch early this year. I can't wait to see it. You know, Castaño's in play for that one, of course. And Jermel Charlo at middleweight had that very tough title defense in which he looked very human. Uh, Whether it's Jermel getting Triple G or Andrade or, you know, Canelo, for that matter, or Benavides, I would love to, you know, that he'd have to move up to 168 for most of those. I'd love to see both really find out in their early 30s here uh, who they are, and we can find out for sure whether they're legitimately pound-for-pound pound great fighters or whether they're, you know, not not on that level. I think both uh, have been marketable at times and both really have yet to put it all together on the highest platform. I hope they get that chance.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Going back to Crawford very quickly, I think he's 34, if memory yes. serves. So that is the age that Michael Chandler uh, was when he switched from Bellator to UFC. I, I mean to say... Definitely by no means done, but if you're going to have big fights that really matter, it's this next career chapter where they have to happen. Otherwise, they're essentially not going to or otherwise happen at a time when they're meaningless. So Luke, we'll I want to ask you
1: final predictions here. Um, Where will Jake Paul be to close 2022 quickly? Because people don't want to go long on this, but quickly.
0: Yeah, I think it really depends on what kind of – uh I won't say enemies what kind of opponents he can get if he can reasonably lure somebody like a nate diaz to his side of things i think he can do big things but if it ends up being tommy fury and i have a, again people forget about this it's just worth pointing out that k over over woodley was spectacular i mean there is it just keeps showing up on my feed even without showtime accounts it's just one of those things because it was so good but the fight before it was horrific um you know, I don't know what Tommy Fury is going to do for him from a pay-per-view sales standpoint or if the fight is not that great, but I think a Diaz situation could give him... Here's the thing with Diaz, dude. If Paul and Diaz fight, maybe stupid, maybe you don't want to see it, maybe you hate it, fine, whatever. But it, if they fight, I think it could be big. To the point, BC, where if Jake Paul lures a Nate Diaz over, and let's say it makes a fuck-ton of money, just shy of 2 million buys, right? That genre could have life beyond Jake Paul. It really could. It's possible to find that. Now, a lot of this is the Jake Paul situation. It's feast or famine or whatever, which is kind of what you're asking. But I wonder, if could you create an event so big that it ends up spawning... A, a lot of copycats to try and do something pretty similar. And could they pull that off? I wonder about that. I really do. I wonder or if, if he doesn't get Nate and then the whole shit just dies this year. Cause that's also, yeah, incredible.
1: you know, to, si- simultaneous with that, w- with the experiments by like Chad Johnson and Darren Williams and Frank Gore, will that lead more recently retired pro sports athletes to join? I don't know. Um, You know, if you tell me Jake's going to fight Chavez jr. And Anderson Silva next year, that could keep things going. You know, He'd have to win some tough fights, but that could keep the momentum going. I don't know. Didn't Sports Illustrated just write that Jake said he wants to play safety in the NFL? I don't know what's going to happen in 2022. Yeah, I'm
0: not really going to pay attention to that.
1: Uh, will we be talking about Triller to close next year at all?
0: Probably for, like, bad shit. Okay. Right? 2021 was not. Their best year. I mean, I think even they would say that. I mean, they had some things they could probably hang their hat on that, you know, weren't a total disaster. But they had a lot of disasters this year. Um, I mean, just the Cambosis, dude. I mean, thinking about what Cambosis did to Teofimo, they were gonna pay him six million plus, which was like way over the asking price. I guess in that sense, they got away from it. But the point being is, they fucked that fight up. They they had to rearrange it by essentially by the time Dazone got it, it was its ninth iteration and it was this massive upset that they could have had and they fucked it all up. I mean, it was a it was not a money year for them. I'll put it that much. And I don't think that will change a whole lot in 2022. Look, you?
1: I've got a couple quick hitters related to predictions for 2022 that I'd like to ask you. Would you be willing to give me 2 minutes of your time? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I think we can both agree, although we didn't really, you know, hand out awards, it seems to be played out, that Kamaru Usman on the MMA side and Canelo Alvarez on the boxing side seem to have locked that shit up for fighter of the year. Do you have a guess, an early feeling, on who could close 2022 in both combat sports with the same fighter of the year uh, hardware being raised?
0: Like somebody who could get it for boxing and MMA
1: no in each sport separate separate oh, choices oh, 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 oh
0: like who's gonna have the best year
1: yeah just I, I want I want a prediction let's go on the record here Luke who's your Fighter of the Year in both sports as we look ahead
0: I think in boxing the Fighter of the Year is probably gonna be it might be Tyson Fury depending on what he does Ooh, I think it's interesting. A, he's a Because if he fights Usyk and White, and then maybe, I don't know, uh, uh, Joshua one more time. uh, Or Dustin one more time, at all, rather, I should say. um, That could be really, really fucking big. But, you know, it's just a lot that's hinging on that. And the MMA side, um, I'd say Valentina, but she doesn't have the right opponents at this point. So, I don't know about that. So, I would actually say I'm going to have my eye on, of all people... You're going to laugh at me a little bit, but I think he's going to have a, He, he at the end of the year, he'll have a breakout year. That I'm told he's trying to get to a new contract. Dude, I think very highly of Shakat Rachmanov. I know you're laughing at me because everyone wants to say. Hums well, I didn't Shumayev. laugh.
1: I laughed at when you said Cyril gone will one day hold the UFC heavyweight title and look, <laughs> and look at us now, Luke. Okay. Yeah, you know? And I think
0: he will. And I think he will this year. Um, I, do, I think very highly of him. So the only question for him is I think his manager is trying to like get him a new deal, which is just standard practice like fight out this deal and to get a new one. So he may have a bunch of fights that aren't that big a deal as he just tries to work through the contract. But I think once they start putting good guys in front of him and he's mowing them down, I think everyone's going to wake up a little bit to this dude. I think he's extremely special. Um, we just need to see him in the right fights. If it's not twenty twenty two, but twenty, I, I honestly think he's going to be in a title fight in the next two years, maybe next year. So. We'll
1: All right, see. I'm looking at unboxing uh, basically the winner of Errol Spence against Bud Crawford because I think both of them are going to have interesting first half matchups, and if they can fight each other in the second one, Luke, I mean that's the highest Errol level. Errol Spence, that's like, Bud Crawford. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I, I think that's number you know three versus four on the pound for pound oh, rankings mean, okay. or two Sorry, versus yes. two versus three i mean like you win that you know and get two total wins you're the fighter of the year also obviously gervonta davis if he can continue luke to keep you know uh matching up and and really try to take on big opportunities maybe he goes to 140 maybe he can crash this party of big names at 135 and lure orion garcia i'd love to see that development he's in play MMA's wild. It's hard to predict, but as much as you are high on... Uh, did you say Rachmaninoff, Luke? Shavkat
0: Rachmaninoff, yeah.
1: Yeah. Ra- Rachmaninoff, is that German? That's a Willy Wonka reference, Luke. I, don't even put the 90s. That's a 1970s reference. Um, I, I'm going to say, uh, in the same regard, Islam Mahachev is coming, Luke. Oh so, yes. So, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll get on board now and say, uh, and saying, you know, c- considering how awesome that division is if he's going to get to the top of it by the end of next year he's going to have a fighter of the year worthy resume to have done that to get there so be on the lookout for that um you know do you have any mk predictions for 2022 luke
0: i think we went on the road a lot this past year i think we'll go i think we're going to bring that desk to 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 more places next year i'm pretty confident about that and i really i this is you know i'll say this out loud because this is just what i want I want our if we're gonna be on the road for um, for Showtime stuff. I want our MK, you know, post fight show. Not that not that it's been some kind of afterthought. I don't mean that they've taken. I want to be very clear about this. Showtime has taken unbelievably good care of us and always does and always will. You have to earn any kind of spot you get, and I intend on earning it. Right. So through the earning process, but as we earn it, BC, I would like to have the post fight show we do be a you know, be a big deal, like be a different kind of production where the fighters come through, we get to talk to them, like its own separate kind of uh, thing rather than just the reaction, which it is, which I'm grateful for. But you know what I'm saying? I'm always thinking ahead. That's it.
1: I want to do a post-fight show in the arena, Luke, pay-per-views, right? I want to be that, that team, that duo. So uh, let's see if we can get there. And, you know, I said it on uh, Monday's uh, show, Luke, uh, people didn't think we can win that award, right? The World MMA Awards Best MMA Programming? Some people are like, hey, what what are you guys going to do now? Run for president? What's the next thing you could think of? Um, That guy, Helwani, keeps winning, right, 11 years in a row, whatever they call that, best journalist from there, Luke?
0: Yeah. What,
1: What if we teamed up together and went after him? What if best journalist of the year was a duo?
0: But I'm not one,
1: so I couldn't win that one. I mean, I'm not a journalist, neither are you, Luke. You're not even, yeah. I don't know why, at L. Thomas News, yeah, there's nothing There's nothing newsworthy about you, Luke, okay? No,
0: no one cares more about the names of my social media handles or my facial hair than you. No yeah. one no <laughs> on earth. Wow, more
1: you saw that coming. I had a facial hair joke coming right after that. But, yeah, all right, because you that. are
0: obsessed with it. I, you're predictable at this point. All right, w- uh,
1: will we win that award next year, Luke? Forget forget the Hellwani one. Forget best journalist. That's an uphill battle. Will we win best MMA programming back-to-back,
0: brother? Only if the donks put us there. It is in their hands, BC. Okay. And they're capable, but their hand's just the same.
1: All right, my final question to you, Luke, before we get out of this segment is, if you ask me the fights that I want to see the most next year, obviously you'd get, like, Spence Crawford, Fury Usyk, all that shit. In MMA, damn, do I really want to see Conor versus Tony Ferguson. And in boxing, Luke... I really, really, really want to see Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Uh, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be wild, right? Do you have any fights in that in that lane that, that, you know, they could be spectacular top of the billing fights or they could just be, I need to see this matchup. What is itching you entering the new year?
0: I'd like to see Gaethje versus Connor. I really want to see that one. I think that'd be a fun matchup, a very fun matchup. Um I am curious about if he can even make it to the cage. I'm curious to see what John Jones looks like. You know, yeah. what kind of. Because obviously, we'll be, listen, we said it with Zhang Y Lee. We'll say it here. You know, I do think being with Henry Cejudo, it could only be a benefit, but, you know, John is a mess. So it's hard to say. Um, that's a big one. I will say that, you know, light heavyweight to me is still in upheaval. You know, obviously, Glover's the king of it now, but. Yeah, that's a tough division to reign right now, no matter who you are. Um, and there's a lot of parody, certainly, in there. So you're saying certainly,
1: you want to see uh, Prochatska versus ankolaev next year for the title. That's what you're saying.
0: I, I think we just might, whether I want to or not. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I, I also think, dude, Adesanya, like, he has held the belt for a long time. If he can make it out of 2022 still with the belt over his shoulder, that would be unbelievably impressive. I mean, what he's already done is beyond impressive. But to yeah, do that... I can't when, wait I for think,
1: their trilogy... Whitaker out of Sonya 3 to close next year, Luke, it's going to be great. Could be.
0: Could be. Uh, all right, BC. Well, that's it for our two big topics. Let's do some quick hitters if we can. Now, you had mentioned for topic number three, Francis Ngannou. Uh, his manager apparently has... Let me pull this over here so I have to keep looking so far. Here we go. His manager has said he hasn't spoken to the UFC in about six months. But Francis is first pissed about sparring footage that apparently his camp leaked That makes him look bad. Quote, when I saw that footage, my first reaction was laughing because I know exactly what happened at those training sessions. Here's the thing. When they want to to like do some highlight, they always choose the part of the video that they use. And they have a lot of videos that like that. Uh, They were filming our training session to promote him, his fight and everything. So there was a lot of footage from those few training sessions. He just says, uh, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, how easy is it to manipulate people, which they're really good at manipulation. But at the end of the day, as I said, we both know everyone knows for a fact. Does everyone know for a fact, BC? I
1: don't know. I don't know. What, what What's the motivation here? I know that team gone has a right to be upset at the way the fallout of losing Francis went. And obviously this fight will be a close up again. You'll see all the columns written in the stories about you know how the relationship fell apart and did they actually train and spar together more than that one time? Do they put this out to try to anger Francis? Is their game plan and mindset built upon, let's get this guy away from the more technical destroyer he was in the Stipe rematch and get him back to just being angry destroyer and that will fall into their hands with Gon's quickness and counterpunching and footwork, Luke. Is that the lane they're trying to go or is this more about spite?
0: I don't know. Are these camps, I mean, you. T- I, I interviewed... Um obviously the head of MMA Factory, and um, Fernand Lopez. And he was like, no, we don't know why Francis is so mad at us. And then Francis is like, these fucking guys are out to get me. It's hard to know exactly why we're at the stage we're at and what it all means. But I do expect, I think Cyril Ghosn going to win. So we'll see how that goes. But the bigger one was from his manager, Markel Martin of CAA, your favorite place, BC, uh, speaking of Sirius XM. He said, quote, from the beginning, we've always and still do remain open to negotiating with UFC. Even from my standpoint and his business reputation standpoint, UFC is the best MMA promoter in the game in this business. However, where a lot of people don't want to come out and say or mean it is that it has to make sense for the client. It has to make sense for Francis. At the end of the day, I work for Francis, and he and I spent a lot of time chatting back and forth and trying to understand, okay, where does uh, what does this mean for his future? And we've had a lot of back and forth with UFC. But to be honest with you, I haven't heard back from them since June, BC.
1: Yeah, that think? seems problematic when your fighter is entering the final fight of his, cur- of, of his current contract. Although, obviously, we know if Francis wins, what they can they automatically extend it, Luke? Every time you win a title fight, is that true?
0: Uh, well, they yeah, they, basically yes, basically.
1: Um, you know, I, John Nash had a great reaction to this on Twitter for as much as him and I sometimes can go back and forth in the DMs. fuck off, John Nash. Um, you know, of saying, you know, what do you want MMA managers to do? To to bow down to Dan? No, like this guy's doing his job. Um, obviously this situation is so hot button is going to be interesting on the fallout of this fight. But um am I conspiracy theorying knowing that this guy works for CAA and that UFC is owned by Endeavor, you know, which has under its under its umbrella a, a rival uh, agency. Is that part of it, Luke? Is that part of add, it? So,
0: so I, I would answer the question by asking it this way. If he wasn't part of CAA, but otherwise saying exactly what he was saying and advocating for what he was advocating, would he get a different reaction from UFC? I doubt it. Does it help that he's with CAA? No, it definitely doesn't fucking help.
1: Luke, what was the root of the initial fallout between Dana White and UFC brass and Ngannou following his loss to Stipe in the first fight? You remember that whole scenario. They said he got too big for his britches and that yeah. he was... what? Do you remember that whole deal? Like, what was that really about?
0: I don't know what it was really about because they were like, oh, you know, he's too big for his britches and he went back to Paris and he was, you know, he was just fucking around, basically. And so it was a lot long after that where he left and then moved... His camp basically in his life to Las Vegas. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. Do I'd you have feel like
1: they form. were angry at him? Because you got to remember when he knocked out Alistair Overeem at the end of what 2016 maybe mm-hmm. 2017? Mm-hmm. One of those two, 2016. One of those two, Luke. Um, which one I think is the most devastating knockout in the history of this sport. They fast tracked the shit out of him into a title fight like a month and a half later against Stipe. They were doing the whole, we've got the Mike Tyson of MMA. Obviously, this is the type of fighter at that point that Dana would dream of. They put a lot into him, and look, he he laid an egg against Stipe. It it was a real exposure of his lack of ground game stamina and all that stuff, right? You think Dana and company were like, what the the F, dude? You're supposed to be our guy, and you dropped that shit. And, And now we find out, you know... Beyond the scenes, you're, you think you're a superstar and you're all that. Is that part of it, Luca? I'm grasping for straws, right?
0: A little bit grasping. I just think the UFC is kind of like that with anyone who wants to assert their own vision for themselves. I mean, remember, at that exact same time, or at least not too far from that, they were beefing with Stipe stipe was like i'm the greatest ever at heavyweight and i don't feel like i'm respected and blah 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 you know i mean there's a lot of that storyline going around uh a- as well one thing we haven't talked about also bc like for like 2022 predictions is who's going to be the next champ champ i wonder if that might slow a little bit you know i haven't heard a lot of talk about that
1: yeah um
0: I mean it could nope. it
1: could be it could be Chef Chang. We don't know what's gonna happen here with the whole Juliana Pena situation. It seems Dana and Company sure. wanna go right back to the newness rematch, right? They're calling it already it's gonna be the biggest women's fight in history. Okay, that's great. It's probably gonna be really fun in the build up and we get to it. Um the betting odds makers will tell you Amanda will fix the glitch, eliminate Matt Sarah from her life, right? And just kind of move on. Okay. Who knows? Maybe Pena beats her twice in a row and it shocks us. If Pena does hang on to that title in any form, Luke you got to feel like that's Shevchenko's opportunity to really cement herself in the history books. And even if Amanda comes out of that with the title, God, Valentina still wants that trilogy real bad. I wonder if she's the next champ champ, Luke. And I want to side that with how close are we, whether it's Bellator, whether it's UFC, to the first triple champ in major MMA. I say major because, I don't know, did it happen once in regional MMA? Maybe. I mean, you know, guys fall out of the sky in regional MMA, Luke. Sometimes they put mats down because it's raining in the cage in regional MMA. At the highest level, do we see somebody attempt? We've never seen somebody attempt to be a triple champion yet. Does that happen this
0: year? No. Not on a major level. No, it won't. There's too many other things competing with that for that to be a thing. I
1: mean, it would have to be Conor at welterweight, Cejudo at featherweight, or like... Out of running the table at 205 and heavyweight, not going to happen. Or or Patricio Pitbull going to 35, Luke, which he did not do for this tournament, which I don't get. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. And,
0: and then that, that's another part, too. A, he lost a belt, uh, two belts, really. Um, and
1: one belt, Luke. He lost. Oh, yeah. You're right. He gave up that. He gave other
0: up one. the other one. I mean, you know, he doesn't, you know, he, he, in a sense, he lost it. Um Even if he got that third belt, he wouldn't be like the champ, champ, champ. He would just be like the champ who also was, at a different time, the champ. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It it wouldn't be exactly the same. Um, BC, I don't know what to say about this for our quick hitters. Do you even want to get into this? Luis Ortiz, Kong, is taking on Charles Martin on pay-per-view on January 1st. Yeah, is that Saturday? Set their, is that, yeah. For folks who I want mean, to set their money on fire, I've got a great fight for you. I him. mean, they
1: got a lot of balls putting that on pay-per-view. So it seems... <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's a PBC on Fox show. Uh, you know, look, we all thought that Areola versus uh, Andy Ruiz' pay-per-view fight last year was on paper, right? One of the worst boxing pay-per-views we've ever seen. Turns out the fight turned out to be super exciting. Andy Ruiz got dropped. It doesn't justify coming in what it was. I think PBC on Fox thought that was going to be Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz last time. And I think, Luke, they thought this was going to be Luis Ortiz versus Andy Ruiz, and it didn't work out. Would that have been a better pay-per-view than this? Yes. Would that have been a pay-per-view-worthy fight? Probably still no. But it seems clear, Luke, as PBC continues its relationship with Fox uh, this coming year, that it seems, uh, along with having that Keith Thurman, Mario Barrios pay-per-view, that Fox is really into the heavyweight side of things. They're the ones who put on that last two... uh, along with ESPN, the, the Fury-Wilder fights. They're the ones who put on that Areola uh, versus Ruiz fight. But, Luke, this matchup is, um, yeah, man. So Luis Ortiz is, some people think he's 55. Luke, what is he on paper, like 40, 41? Gave Deontay Wilder hell twice, but got knocked out. A very good heavyweight. But he's getting up there in age. Charles Martin, dude, is, if you don't remember this guy, he was like 15-0, and 0, but hadn't fought anybody. He gets a, a vacant title opportunity a bunch of years back, fights Tsar Glaskov. Glaskov breaks his leg in, like, the second round, never fights again and retires. Martin wins the title and then loses it in his next fight to Anthony Joshua to start that title reign. And since then, Luke, look, I like Charles Martin. He's a brawler. He goes in there. He tries. But this is a pay-per-view main event, dude. So, um, Yeah. I mean, you know, again, if we're trying to build toward Andrew Ruiz versus Deontay Wilder, then I guess you can justify. Neither of those guys are on this card, okay? So I don't know what we're building to here, Luke, but that pay-per-view is going to happen Saturday, whether you watch it or not.
0: All right, and last but not least, uh, the last MMA event of the year is going to be Ryzen 33. BC, actually a fair bit to like on this one. Yeah, don't we get a
1: little... Tension Nasakawa action here?
0: Yeah, you got Tension Nasakawa taking on Takenori Gomi in a special standing rules bout where they have to just fucking... They, there's no ground, but I guess it's semi... I'm not sure what the rules are exactly other than it's a standing bout, so you have to... There would be no ground. Um, it, it's interesting. The card will have the Bantamweight Grand Prix semifinals. That will happen earlier. Kai Asakura will be on there as well as Naoki Inoue. The winners of those two bouts will then fight in the main event for the Grand Prix Finals. Plus, the Ryzen Lightweight Championship is up for grabs as the champion, de D'Souza, takes on Yusuke Yachi. Um, big kickboxing names on this card. Yuta Kubo is on here. Uh, Rina Kubota. If you're a Japanese MMA fan and you want some solid MMA action, like high-level... You could do a whole lot worse than Ryzen 33, to yeah. be sure, BC.
1: Hi, Asakura on it, Luke, which last year, you, you know, I got us into some accidental trouble over that whole thing. But, you know, he had that two-fight series with uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. He's back here. Uh, Luke, it seems to be the the most of the attention is on that 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 quasi-weird rules match you mentioned. There's a big difference, am I right, in both age and size here between Tenshin Nasakawa and Takanori Gomi?
0: uh yeah it's pretty significant i mean tension was outsized by a 140 pound floyd i mean gomi is a legit what well, lightweight so luke they are 20, 20 years apart pounds. in
1: age they're 23 yeah. and 43
0: yeah dude it's a uh it's a um it's a thing will oh, you be watching way,
1: will you be watching luke let's be fair here let's put uh, it
0: i'll watch after the fact i'm not staying up at the middle of the night to watch uh, also, Hamasaki versus Izawa at uh, forty nine kilos is a big fight as well. For a title. one
1: thing about Ryzen is is it delivers action, Luke. It's the promotion brings it.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. They bring it. It's a good fucking event, and it's a good um, it's a good tradition in MMA to have it on New Year's Eve as well. Yeah. It's very very unique in that way. Um, yes, your super atomweight champion is Ayaka Hamasaki, and I think. I think it's, oh, it's a non-title bout against Saika Izawa. Saika Izawa. So, Hamasaki is a good fighter. I don't know about Izawa. I'll be candid, but it should be a good contest, and it should be a good card all the way around.
1: Transitioning out real quick, are you siced about the announcement that DAZN's going to put on a trilogy bout early next year between Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada? you remember they had their rematch early this year Mm -hmm. it's one of the best fights of the year Estrada got a controversial decision they first fought back in 2012 back when Chocolatito was you know the guy Um, this this could be special Luke this trilogy it could be it could be great Um,
0: I'm not as pumped for it as you are I'm not as high on Chocolatito at this point as you are but I grant that it's a pretty big fight and it's a good one for them to put on yeah I'm Alex Rodriguez
1: and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is and, not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
1: want to do another stomp you out speech. It
0: opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show
1: is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Shout out to the Superflyweights. They bring it at 115, Luke.
0: Thank you. All right, BC, it's uh, now yours, and I guess we have uh, Dead Wrong and then Fan Subs.
1: Yeah, so we do this every Friday, but today's Wednesday. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com is your email address every week, because when Luke and I is talking to a microphone for this many hours, good God, inevitably we'll ramble on and our microphones will tail out and people will get upset, and then we'll say incorrect facts and piss a lot of people off, but we are man enough to take the stand, take the L, go face-to-face with our accusers, Okay. All right. You want to catch a predator? You better bring some receipts with you, Chris Hansen, because we're we're here. All right. It's called Dead Wrong. Uh,
0: uh, uh, uh.
1: All right, Luke, we start with a man named Frazier, Fraser. Fraser from Edinburgh, Scotland, Edinburgh, borough. Edinburgh.
0: I think it's Edinburgh Edinburgh. Something like that okay. it's not Berg is it uh maybe that's I not I, fucking. Know.
1: I don't really speak Gaelic
0: you speak or Irish speak or Scottish <laughs> you speak
1: hick or Welsh uh during the episode by the pool for Jake Paul versus Woodley 2 BC said Nate Diaz was cornering his teammate and quote UFC veteran Chris Avila now I only said that because Luke said that earlier in the day uh this is dead wrong Chris Avila had two UFC fights but both were losses, including one to Artem Lobov, that hardly qualifies him as a UFC veteran. You washed no, it actually fuck.
0: explicitly qualifies yeah. him as what a the... UFC. I mean, what kind of fucking dead wrong? This is a terrible dead wrong. Chris Avila did fight in UFC. He he's is a veteran. in a UFC, UFC veteran. Yeah, he's not a yeah he's not a decorated UFC veteran, but he well, look, fought there. If that counts, veteran has different levels. I mean, veteran could mean you
1: have served in the armed forces. Veteran could mean you're old at whatever craft you've done and you've been around for a while, or in a more loose generic sense, it could just mean you used to do that for that thing. This guy used to do that for that thing. He closed yeah. with, love the show, Latin Fauci army. But Frazier, why, why, why don't you get aft, Frazier, all
0: right? Frazier, I'm afraid to say, while I appreciate your uh, you know, your preferences and attractive women, you are good, You are wrong, sir. You are dead wrong. So all there right. there you go.
1: There we go. We're undefeated so far. Jordan from Hawaii sliding in. Happy holidays and 2022, donks. In episode 244, at an hour and four minutes, BC refers to Bruno Silva versus Alex Padeda as, quote, a sex fight. And he said, one we might see (laughs) on the Spice Channel in the 1980s. BC, as another guy who grew up in the 80s and 90s and who recalls scrambled cable channels as part of my adolescence the spice channel did not come into existence until 1994 looking Ooh. forward to an awesome 2022 jordan from hawaii jordan did i say 80s did I, I may
0: maybe i may have said it
1: luke i'll take you might, the yellow it, it
0: sounds familiar-ish
1: yeah um i i used to luke look, i used to babysit at a house in the early 90s well, I guess it wasn't that early. If he's saying this channel debuted in '94, they subscribed to that. Luke,
0: is it hardcore pornography or like Red no, Diaries?
1: no? But it's 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 more extreme than what HBO and Show and Cinemax and Showtime was offering at the time, but short of hardcore. So it's that like gray area in between. You know what bro I'm saying?
0: if you've I've been watching incredibly disturbing pornography since yeah, I was like 14 come, so come you
1: know. on. well that explains a lot that's why you're your yeah your morals and your heart are so black yeah wow all right Jordan thank you I might have be wrong I may have been wrong on there I'll take the L if I was Spencer comes in and says in BC's solo episode which got rave reviews Luke uh besides the sound quality um of episode 245. <laughs> When talking about McGregor's run at lightweight, BC refers to Connor's win over Eddie Alvarez as an upset victory. But this is dead wrong. Connor closed as a minus 155 betting favorite with Alvarez as the plus 135 dog. Luke, I'll take that L, bro.
0: Okay, I didn't realize that. That's a good that's you know, that's a good correction. That's a good one. I like that one. That's better.
1: I, I'm dead wrong there. This was this was Connor. I want to say moving up in yeah it was moving up in weight because he fought Diaz at welterweight the two previous fights so it was moving down from there but moving up from featherweight where he had run run the gamut there uh, and winning the title okay he was the betting favorite Luke it, wh- who do you think should have been outside of because obviously the the lines sometimes reflect the need to bring in other bets and the crowds that that flood the I mean the heading foot. into
0: that one I knew it was close but I thought Eddie would edge and then Eddie got blown out you know so Connor deserved to be the favorite obviously. Um, I know I think I, at
1: the time Eddie deserved to be the favorite because I think Eddie should have won that fight in hindsight Luke He abandoned all forms of a game plan. He came he said he came in there to wrestle but Connor you know talked shit waved him on and got him into a fight.
0: He also just made a lot of bad choices in the fight itself more than just like being mentally out of it. I mean I guess they're all connected but yeah he he fumbled that one unfortunately for him. you gotta admit but, um, though
1: love him or hate him. Connor was riding high at that point. Like, he could have beaten anybody that night. Like, he dude, was just. I'll,
0: I'll never forget. I'll never forget after that win, he did a scrum with reporters backstage. And I was there. Uh, I was there, yeah, bro. Yeah. And he asked for shares in the company. I remember that. And I, you know, he didn't get them, obviously. But I remember thinking at the time, dude, he might get this shit. Like, he really might do this. I I, will have to see. But I, I remember for the first time, I was like, here is a guy who you absolutely cannot. If he says he can do it, you, you could say it may be unlikely, but I would be very cautious about it. I wrote a
1: column that. that night. Right after he said that, I went back to the media room, wrote a column. It led the front page of ESPN.com the next day, Luke, okay?
0: Wow, wow. So Take there you go. Take that shit,
1: people. Take that shit, people, okay? I do, I've done some stuff. like You've know. you
0: been some places. I know that. You know,
1: I may have even been late, Luke. <laughs> it's possible. All right, uh, this one comes from Simon. Brian did a great job of hosting the show by himself on December 27th. Thank you, Simon. But while listing his top 10 best fights he was ever present for, he claimed that Japanese boxer Takashi Miura retired immediately after his loss to Francisco Vargas in 2015. BC you're dead wrong. Miura actually went on to fight 3 more times, including Ooh. a world title fight against Miguel Burchell. Look, I'll I'll take that damn L. I thought that sent him 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 into retirement. I was I'm I'm dead wrong on my recollection did
0: he take a bunch of bullshit fights or was that his last significant fight
1: i don't know i mean that that was a significant fight against burchell and it it was you know an early part of burchell's incredible reign that was just ended by Oscar valdez this year but um yeah i i thought that was the end i mean i mean that no one remembers that fight luke vargas busted eye down on the cards rallying back for that sick finish but uh yeah thank you for pointing that out simon you're right i was wrong I wonder how much other shit I said was wrong, and people just didn't look it up, Luke. You have to wonder that. Am I just full of hot air and piss? Yes. Yellow piss?
0: Lots of piss.
1: Probably yellow piss,
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Super (laughs) dehydrated, almost brown. Yeah, there you go.
1: Uh, Michael says, on the episode the Monday after Christmas, wow, they're coming for me here, Luke, okay? BC was listing the top ten fights he attended. Whoa, this is a theme here, Luke. He was dead wrong on some of the details <laughs> with his first two entries. First of all, when discussing Ferguson versus Pettis, BC said that the fight ended because Pettis's corner was concerned about the cut. It was actually Showtime suffering a broken hand that made mm. Coach Duke Rufus throw in the towel. Wow! Well, I'll, I'll, I well they take...
0: could have been concerned about the cut. It's just he's right. They didn't throw yeah. it out. And in fairness... And In fairness,
1: I was I I was at the arena for that, so I wasn't hearing the commentary and I don't think I've ever rewatched the fight, Luke, so take that. I, I'm wrong then. I'll take the L. Secondly, when talking about Usman versus Covington, one BC said that no one was knocked down put down the bath salts player because Usman <laughs> definitely knocked Colby down in round 5 twice before the controversial Mark Goddard stoppage. We all know you're on the back nine, BC, but that's no excuse to phone it in. Much love from Brooklyn. Keep up the decent work. And well, he, it,
0: dropped him, he dropped him once, or maybe even twice in the second fight, right? Did,
1: yeah, but so in relation to this first fight, so one, I will take the L because I said that, but after saying that, it triggered my own head. So what I meant by that, Luke, is sometimes you get action fights. Tell me if I'm wrong here. Great, A great uh, point is, uh, do you remember... Brandon Rios versus Mike Alvarado. You remember that 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 two fight series they had? Or trilogy, actually. Remember the first one was like fight of the year in 2013 and people were going sick over it.
0: Like, was this before or after Rios made fun of um, Freddie Roach for having Parkinson's?
1: <laughs> oh, God. Probably in the middle of that. Um, my point is this, Luke. That fight... Everybody wanted it to be an all-time great fight. I interviewed both fighters ahead and they're like, this is gonna be Gotti Ward all over again. Everybody wanted it to be. The networks were talking about it. Every I remember Jim Lampley didn't call that fight for HBO because it was on their junior series, yet he got it, bought a ticket in the crowd, or probably didn't buy it, but you get my point. Everybody wanted it to be. It was like six or seven rounds of two guys just running into each other. But my defense that time was, look, great fight, but it didn't have character. There wasn't ebbs and flows. There weren't knockdowns. There weren't, you know, like, what? what why do I like Gotti Ward more than I like Corrales Castillo 1? Even though Corrales Castillo 1 is the better fight and maybe the best fight of all time, for all I'm concerned. Because Gotti Ward 1 had character. There, you know, guys getting above the kid, just, just like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Corrales Castillo 1 had the two knockdowns in the last round. Don't dead wrong me, I get. But my point is this, Luke. When I made that comment Monday, it was that Usman Covington was a great fight, But it was like two trains running into each other. It's one of the top ten fights I was ever cage-side for. But what prevents it, in my mind, from being a top five UFC fight of all time is it lacked a little bit of character. There weren't big sways of momentum. Yes, there were two knockdowns at the end that ended the fight. But there wasn't a kind of like, oh my god, in the way that even... Adesanya versus Gastelum had of near submissions and guys getting up and, and, you know, wackiness. So that's the point that I was ultimately trying to make there and saying there were no knockdowns, there were no sways and ebbs and flows of momentum. I hope people get that. Maybe it's just me rambling on, Luke. Who knows? I don't know.
0: Whatever. They're coming for you today. I want to point that out. They are coming for you today.
1: You know, when you take the chair and you take it solo and you dig in and you give two hours and eight minutes of your life to the people, Luke, and you fucking bring it, you're putting yourself out there, but the thing is, Luke, I can take it. Bro, you, all
0: right? it's the last show of the year. While well, you're doing Dead Wrong, do you want to see Tukey? You want Tukey to say goodbye to the viewers? Of course I do, Luke. Of course. Right, let me let me, do your thing. Let me see if I can get her.
1: Do all right, we got one more Dead Wrong for you. Here we go. Fidencio says, how's it going BC and Luke love the show on Monday show again with Monday show at the one hour and 12 minute mark BC mentioned that the Nunes versus cyborg was an honorable mention for the best fights he'd ever attended and that it was a great fight in Vegas. BC is right. It was a great fight, but it took place in Inglewood, California. It was the fight that was supposed to take place in Vegas, but got moved to California due to John Jones and the whole Picogram debacle. Keep up the great. Dude, that is another dead wrong. I will take that L. That fight was in LA. I was there for it. It got moved at the last minute. That's the end of the dead wrongs. Let's go to Tuki.
0: Hi, Tuki. 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 No se habla de Bruno. Si, mi amor. No
1: Bruno. Si. No
0: Bruno. Can you say hola to the audience? Can you say hola? Can you say hi?
1: Hey okay. Tuki. Tuki.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hold on, she can't hear you. Hold on. Tuki,
1: Teamo Gringo BC. me amo Gringo BC. Tuki. Do you like my
0: do you like do you like Brian? Hola, Campbell?
1: Tuki. Hola, Tuki. Tuki,
0: what do you think? What do you think of him?
1: Uncle Gringo here. Hola. Hola. you Fail? <laughs> Hola, taco supreme come on nothing nothing at all oh,
0: really taco supreme is what you're gonna say really that's not, I got, not butt I, racist
1: I, i've limited spanish luke okay please i have very limited spanish all
0: right okay more. Well, i want you to say uh say gracias, gracias. okay i she's think she's tired luke, she's gonna have luke, a i think
1: she wants to see my glasses again that's what i think
0: no i don't think she does because you made her cry last time like a jerk Do- job Turkey! Here we go. What do you think about this idiot? Tio Feo. Los Dientes. All right, Luke. That. Yep, yep, yep. All right, we gotta go. Let's That's the goodbye. face
1: I made the first time I saw the Emmanuel series on Showtime in
0: the '90s, Luke. Say, 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 oh, say, ciao. Bye. 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 Te amo. Oh, you got a blow away kiss. Look at that, huh? Was that okay, the audience or
1: Uncle Uncle Gringo?
0: No, Uncle Gringo for you, Papa Gringo. Yes. Okay. Yes. Go with Lore. Go with Lore. Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Okay. That's so wholesome. That shit's so wholesome, Luke.
0: There you go. You got to see my daughter. She's growing up fast. She's the best, Luke. All right? Thanks, man. She's awesome. You would love her. She's great. Big
1: fan. Big fan on this end. So, Luke, we closed up dead wrong with me getting uh, small facts incorrect, so I'll take those Ls. Thank you very much. All did right, you know good. that um, Cyborg versus uh, Nunes was in L.A., not Vegas, Luke? I did not. Yeah, did they not moved that, that last minute. I forgot about that. All right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Luke, we got one more segment for you. at gmail.com, the same email address that you can send in your artwork, pictures of you and our merch, really whatever you got. We'll put it on the screen because Mikey Mormal, our producer, really doesn't do the best quality control on this, Luke. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure he's sober it's quite <laughs> we candidly. love you we
1: love you mikey it's called fan submission mikey is like
0: chief keef he, i hate being sober <laughs> i don't get that reference Luke. he has a song called hate being sober and i joke about it because everyone sings sweet caroline sweet caroline is the national anthem for drunk whites irrespective of their country doesn't matter like if you're like you know from the uk or america or whatever it's what drunk whites do when they get together they sing sweet caroline but what they're really doing is they're just they're parading that they're drunk so i'm saying let's substitute sweet caroline for chief keith's hate being sober because they're essentially about the exact same thing but you know I'm, I'm it's it's falling on deaf ears the argument even though i'm quite right
1: okay that's fair um <laughs> to, to close on what i was saying before about rio salvarado one you remember Kevin Ioli the next day after that fight put out a column on Yahoo calling it the greatest action fight since the year 2000, Luke?
0: Wait, he called what the biggest action fight?
1: Rios Alvarado won. He said it was better than Pacquiao Marquez 4, better than Corrales Castillo 1, better than Gotti Ward 1.
0: That's a big claim. I didn't agree with it then.
1: That was dead wrong. Okay, not BC. He wasn't dead wrong. That was dead wrong. Okay, thank you. Uh maybe I'm wrong Luke because he's on he's on a great run right now Luke so shout out to him right I agree All right no selling that Here we go uh fan submissions start with David A is this the French rapey guy Luke He says hi guys I thought I'd share my MK drinking oh, yeah, game it is. For the Christmas holidays.
0: where where, Where did he put the GHB in his liquor cabinet?
1: Yeah. Five drinks to be consumed, depending on what you guys say during the show. Number one, top quality locally produced daffodil beer. It's a lot nicer than it sounds. Four swigs to finish the bottle. One every time Luke says, last but not least. Down in one if he says it in the first five minutes of the show. Number two, he'll drink vodka he buys from the dodgy Polish neighbor, Not my thing, but something... So something said two or three times a show, BC, making it look easy, or any word made up by Brian that's an adaption or conceivement. Number three, Luke, he drinks special scotch malt whiskey, a celebratory triple. Any song double shot for BC's ragdoll song or Luke's dead wrong rap? Wow. We haven't heard ragdoll in a while in here, Luke, right? You know? Um, Also, Luke, he'll drink a... uh, Chateauneuf-du-pop, pap, pape. It's red wine, and it's his staple, so I need things you say all the time. Like, to your point, BC, if you're going to come on, I don't know what this even means, Luke. Where are we at? Number five, he drinks shitty Greek sweet, Mike. Yeah, all right, I'm, I'm ending this it, is, Yeah, I'm yeah I
0: don't go. care. I've I lost interest uh, after, like, the first two, so.
1: I like dodgy French Dave better when he was, like, trying to get inside on his, on his uh, students. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. All right. drink yeah, I don't up care there. about his booze.
1: He says, P.S., the other two photos, you have Bowie, the cat's version of the game. That's a cute feline, Luke.
0: Okay, I'm with it.
1: He said, I nearly put Morning Combat underwear on her head, but I thought better of it. All right, David, thanks for your time here. I mean, is this motherfucker
0: literally sending in pictures of his cat? Is that what we're looking at? This (laughs) asshole's. He's just thumbing through his phone and then sending it to Mikey.
1: He's like, normally I send pictures of the pussy in class. Now I'm going around the house. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Uncle Dave. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, Anything else from him? Oh, here we go, Luke. Here's his final one.
0: And uh, who's Emma? My white cat there, Luke. Oh, okay, okay. All right. All right. I mean, that's mildly funny if you're 50.
1: All right. Daniel's coming in from hot and heavy from Tampa, Florida. Quote, hey, Luke. You got COVID. could you rate this cable management he
0: says, Luke? <laughs> yeah, BC the uh the PAs didn't do you any justice with that setup.
1: No, I came running in from HQ and it was uh it it was what it was, Luke. Look how washed we were by the end of that week. They just get get me um, home. Get me home.
0: Yeah, I was ready to get the fuck out of there too.
1: All right. Uh, Jack is here. He says, hey, Luke and Brian, I hope I'm not too late sending this. But in the last week, when you guys pulled the upset of winning the best MMA programming, I was working in the backyard when I saw your post saying that you won. I was in so much shock. I ran into the house yelling. They won. They won. My partner had no idea what I was talking about until I told her that MK had won. She wasn't excited as I was, although she did tell me to wait here because, quote, this is a good time to give you your Christmas present. Luke, check this out. I waited, confused, and she returned, holding Morning Combat 2.0 merch. I was in shock. I knew talking about you donks constantly would pay off, and now I can enjoy the elite club of people whose partners buy you shit. I've been here since day one.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: I even subscribed on my partner's account to help you guys get to 100K. P.S. Luke, how's my cable management?
0: Atrocious, but the, the... Hoodie is nice. The house looks nice. The floors don't look banged up, which I appreciate. You see that? The floors, all the hardwood finish is still there. Now, look, he keeps uh, but, you know, mentioning a cable partner. Is-
1: Would you guess he Fs, Luke? You were, would you have guessed that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he probably Fs. All right. He's um, probably, a great,
1: probably a great guy, right?
0: Yeah, he's probably a great guy. His cable management is a three, but his life is a nine. So, you know, what are you going to do? All
1: right. All right. Let's keep it going here. Jay says, uh, happening now. I don't know which Jay this is. Jay Aaron, maybe?
0: Oh God! That's a good looking pooch.
1: That's a good looking like living TV. room. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say,
0: I like that whole that whole setup. Is nice. Yeah, that's although well you done know there. what, that Christmas tree is real ass.
1: I mean, my skin blown up on a big screen like that, Luke. It's it's a little patchy, patch Adams there, but uh, you know, outside of that, uh, looking good in that drug rug. Thank you, Jay, for sharing your your in house look with us. Uh, John slides in and says, virtually identical. I'll take that, Luke. You know, two two badasses from the uh, with Eastern European roots. I'll take that, Luke.
0: Did you uh, did you tell your son uh, what you thought of his back tattoo?
1: Uh, it's 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 gnarly. It's aggressive. It's this side of Sean Brady, to be fair, Luke. Right?
0: It's aggressive. It's aggressive.
1: All right, Tanner is here. He says, "Hey, BC and LT, happy merry festivus from a cheap Chinese American restaurant in Idaho with a two-hour wait time. I'm drinking double G and Ts." watching the Cards-Colts game. You guys are going to crush 2022. Love Tanner H. Luke, forget, where does he say he is? Wyoming? Or no, uh, Idaho? This guy's on the Capitol steps looking like that. There's no question, Luke.
0: No doubt about it. Although I will say, first of all, shouts to this man for his gear and then for everything else. Also on top of it, BC, have you done the Christmas Day go-to-a-Chinese-restaurant tradition? We do the Christmas Eve
1: take-home Thai food tradition.
0: Ooh, you know what? I like that. I like that little remix. That's nice. But I will say, I did it in New York City a couple of times. Spent Christmases at Chinese restaurants and, like, decent ones. Dude, I fucking love that tradition. That is a great yeah. tradition.
1: I love it. My my dad and mom kind of made fun of me because, you know, they referenced the Christmas story movie where they eat at, you know. Yeah, after I know, the- I know. After the bumpus hounds, but you know, going with the, with the Thai food front, you know, night before it, it's great. It's great. So shout out to Tanner. That's Especially
0: a- if it's like, if it's snowy and then you have like a big warm noodle dish the next day, it's fucking great. Oh,
1: the leftovers are incredible. I, I, I was still eating them yesterday. Um, what do you think of Tanner's beard? Look, that's aggressive.
0: You know, it's a lot. It's a lot, but if you're in Idaho, what the fuck else are you gonna do?
1: That's a fair point. All right. Antoine is here. Yes, Antoine the Yeti. You know that six foot eight guy who ran away to Alaska, Luke. I love that guy. Night riding and gotta represent the MK. Hope you guys are having a lovely holiday. Appreciate the content, even though the Jake Paul gives me dysentery like symptoms. Keep it up in <laughs> my newer merch is on the way. Luke, I've told you in the past. Check, can we zoom in? Look how big this MFR is, Luke.
0: Yeah, he's a tall drink of water.
1: But you know he he shared with me a couple a couple pics of the tail he pulls up up north there in the final frontier and um, um well done Antoine all right. all
0: right yeah I mean he's out there just slaying and and skiing it's a great life
1: I mean what do you think Especially Alaskan women are law. what do you think Native Alaskan women are like Luke threes well they probably need warmth like everyone else
0: so he's this guy's just cleaning up wow left and right big fan you of just this you guy. just rolled right over the fact that I just torched. Like seventy-five percent of Alaskan women, completely unfairly.
1: Well, if they're not five foot three BBLs, Luke, you don't like anyone. We've been through this that's,
0: before. This, right? this is this is true. You're that's a fair point.
1: All right, Robert's here with two photos. Uh, first, his mom Leslie in the background, and his brother unpictured hooked him up with the best Christmas gift ever. Can't wait to shard on you guys. <laughs> Also, how does my gray beard compare to Luke's at age 35? We got to zoom back in. I got to see a lot of things here. Uh, Hey, could you
0: place more things randomly on the wall?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, he loves Louisiana, Luke. Okay. Shout out to his mom, Leslie, in the background with a thumbs up.
0: She bought him. Yes.
1: There's no chance that underwear stays white through the holidays, Luke.
0: There's no No, chance. No, dude. We're going to be doo-doo brown before, you know. (laughs) first quarter 2022 are you kidding me but look he's got and then and then he's gonna randomly hang it on his wall
1: yeah he's got three pieces of merch there though so shout out to robert love that shit all right thank
0: you buddy Uh, thank you yes thank you oh oh shit look at those oh
1: oh, zoom in here
0: oh he's got the carter uh little wayne uh doll then our pieces of merch and then some other clothes there um yeah, all right. He's doing he's doing well for himself.
1: All right, all right.
0: You were gonna you were gonna insult him, then you're like, you know what? He's probably a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's all right. He had all a right. funny joke. The ones who show us the funny jokes, I like the I like them better.
1: All right, Sam is here. He says, "Love you, Brian." But dude, we got things to do. At least stop mumbling if possible. I hate choosing between hearing your whispers and hearing your yelling at me. Keep up the good work. You earned that award, sort of. LOL. <laughs> Look, it's not my fault. It's not my fault, all right? We're going to fix it. We had some tech issues. We're going to fix it. All right? It'll We're be
0: gonna... fine. The people love you. It'll be fine.
1: I'll take the dead wrong for it. I'll represent us, but, you know, come on. All okay. right, Greg is here. He says, me and my brother accidentally bought each other matching Orchids of Combat t-shirts. That's awesome for Christmas. We both have some fresh-ass merch to cover ourselves in while we opened our presents and deleted several mimosas on Christmas morning. I guess they don't call them bestsellers for nothing. Happy holidays from St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Luke, Bro. look at these f- fine young Canucks.
0: It looks like a before and after picture from like Queer Eye, except they, they kept the clothes the same. <laughs> look at this guy on the left. Facial hair all shitty, hair all shitty, hat all shitty. And then the guy on the right, he combed it up. Yeah, you know, trimmed you know, it up a little up- bit.
1: cleans up well what do you think about two brothers blindly buying each other the same gift and not realizing it
0: i think that they're smitten by the magic of mk so i don't blame them
1: i bet they walk around going you know we're, we're the bc and lt of canada you know
0: i'm not sure if that's a good thing
1: all right you could argue that you know bone and bronstetter are the bc and lt of canada right
0: yeah but like they're not just like the like No, no is the answer.
1: Look, <laughs> I know you don't read the comments at all, but did you see there was a comment I, I see, on?
0: I, every time, every time you do this, I'm gonna say something about it. So I see you. I mean,
1: I, I did not you. mention Ferraris in any form. Look, um, <laughs> did you see there was a comment on Monday's show? Some guys like my sister was the one Mike Bone fondled on the airplane that time.
0: Yeah, I don't think that that's true because I know what happened on the airport on the airplane, and it was. Much to my amazement, wildly consensual. (laughs) All right,
1: Luke, we've got a video from David A. Didn't we already excommunicate this guy? Maybe it's a different one. He says, hi, guys. Until recently, I thought I was in a two-horse race with the tattooed Damien for Donk of the Year, but then I was not included in BC's top 10 donks for the Wheel of Death. It's time to remind you who I am to this show. Here is my year-end song. I enclose the lyrics at the end in case you can't understand my Franco-British accent. Luke, David Appleton's making a second run in the same segment and not getting um, uh, canceled. So let's see what he's got.
0: French Bill Cosby kicking in, leaning in. Motherfuckers, I'm the French Bill Cosby. Damien the donkey's down the capital, you widow, you widow. Got a shitty tattoo, and then you disappeared. Some the dunking, it's gotta be me. Every show they talk about the French Bill Cosby. Sometimes they call <laughs> me Oh, my God! Sometimes <laughs> they say oh, like my God! Gave you the best tip you ever seen. <laughs> <Some of my laughs> Classic, oh Vote for me, you know it makes sense. So. Oh, I'm begging you, I've got no other friends. Got my students to repeat the MK mantra. Got a predatory loan for a sexual enhancer. And you're up showtime. is out of my hands. Gotta fix my cable management and go and pound sand. If you're gonna come on come on. <laughs> Tonight's the night. You're gonna lay me some pipe. Yeah, vote for Billy. vote for Jackie, oh vote for Harvey, vote for Happy. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. <coughs> oh god, I just spilled S- someone the... someone needs to tell David no means no. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, he'll probably get himself canceled anyway on his own, Luke, but he's back in my good graces. I got to tell you, when
0: he was putting the photos up of Cosby, then Epstein, then I couldn't (laughs) even see what it was after that. I was like, wow, he really went for it. He really went for it.
1: The lyrics are like, sometimes they call me Jeffrey Epstein. Sometimes they call me the French Weinstein. (laughs) I, I gave you the best tip to tip you've ever seen. Um, wow, Luke, uh, this is redeem. This is redemption in-, in motion. You just saw it right here. That is, um, that's, that's commitment. That's, that's creative. I mean, he played the guitar on his own too, Luke.
0: If I go to Paris again, should I hit this guy up? 100%. But don't bring the women with you. Yeah. Fuck all that. Uh, um, wow. I'd love to meet him.
1: The end lyrics, Luke, were if you're going to come on, come on. Tonight's the night. Going to lay me some pipe.
0: Um, Wow. Wow. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had the internal dialogue. Tonight's the night gonna lay me some pipe.
1: I just spilled half a water bottle over everything, Luke. That was great. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, That's it. That's all we got. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com will get you on our show if if you're weird enough, but uh, thank you to our fine folks. Luke, as much as you want to... distance yourself from uh french bill cosby he's one of the reasons that we are the best mma programming in 2021 luke okay all right it's it's p1s like rapey p1s like him luke okay that's how we got here
0: um i am ashamed to admit it but you are right it's the rapey p1s um bc are you okay over there i see you uh, doing some things I got it. All right, I so got me, it. let me let me let me do the, the fine print stuff while you're up doing that. As a reminder to everyone, as he indicated, morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email for dead wrongs for fan subs. Please send those in. We always appreciate that when you do. If you want to try Showtime in the new year, and why the hell wouldn't you? Showtime.com, you can get a 30 day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can do whatever you want with your life. Of course, we have a deal right now morningcombat.store. All holiday items on sale for a limited time until they're gone. Uh, Underwear, sweaters, beanies, all on sale for a limited time. you got to go right now to get them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, If you are listening on a podcast platform, give us a nice review there. If you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up. Hit subscribe, B.C., We should probably take this final moment since we have thanked the donks who watch this repeatedly at this point. We should probably take a moment on our last show of the year to thank the amazing crew behind the program that makes it what it is. From Corey to Gaff to Al to, of course, our intrepid producer of CBS Sports, Mikey Mormile, who did not get thanked properly, of course, at the awards ceremony. So we could do it a little bit extra here. Mikey, thank you for everything this past year, of course, as well. Steven Espinosa, Brian Daly, Matt Snyder, Courtney Mogg, who's been an MVP, Kieran hey, don't forget Portley. about
1: don't forget about Staten Island Sally. Don't forget Staten about- um Sally. I mean, are you gonna give Jay Aaron any love?
0: Fuck no, for what? <laughs> for what? Good luck with that Pennington James uh, CD that five people are gonna fucking throw in the trash. Wow, um, wow. all
1: right. Um, well, I'm just saying they will. Jake Roseman, our documentarian, by the way, yes. uh, documentary number six it, it's coming luke it's coming i'm supposed to be seeing a, a what's a the piece. uh
0: what's the what's when's it supposed to because this is one i'm actually interested in so when is it supposed to be out i'm
1: supposed to be seeing part of it later today and i'm told okay. in the next couple weeks it's going live so uh it's gonna you know recap a, a few different stops on our recent run and uh should be interesting luke also luke i i i uh i got some new paint for christmas so i i, I was working last night can you judge my can you rate my my latest creation here luke
0: It's like if Van Gogh were stupid. I mean, what does this say to you, Luke? I mean, you know. That you tried to brush your teeth and the germs won.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Luke. Um, You know, art can be interpreted many different ways, Luke. But that's more of a, uh, a, a, a caterpillar in the cocoon, you know, spreading its wings, Luke, despite the turmoil around it. really a lot like our show's evolution. And to your point about shouting out our great staff across the board, Malka CBS Sports and Showtime, Luke, I don't think you and I expected to have this great of a year with this show. And uh, Mm. a lot of it goes to our staff. A lot of it goes to our incredible fan base for voting us in and for supporting us every week and clicking the like and subscribe and sending us their weird entries. But Luke, a lot of it also is because of you. So Luke Thomas, Thank you for a great 2021 as my, as my, you know, my bedside partner in this uh, <laughs> weird editorial marriage. Um, if you don't think I appreciate you, you're crazy, okay? Now, with that said, am, am I trying every day to, to best you, to make you, you know, uh, to, to eliminate you, to, to push you to the side? You better believe it, Luke, okay? Because I'm coming. But I think that tension, not Nasukawa, is what makes this show so great. <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, I am not out here to compete with you. I don't know if you are with me. That's one thing you can choose to do. But I am out here to partner with you. And I feel like it's been a fucking great, great year. I'm actually happy to close it only because I'm so excited to start a new one of these um, chapters with you. So you've been a great partner to work with. You're a little bit brain damaged, but that's okay. I can work with that. And um, yeah, dude, I'm hoping that 2022 is everything we think it could be. I really am. You know. I mean,
1: you can only huff fumes for so many years in a factory town and not come out on the other end looking a little gnarly, Luke, okay? You know? It's,
0: it's a little true. And by the way, I will say this year, BC, We, at least in the case of me, although you two a little bit too, you know, we had to kind of look in the mirror and be like, we got to get some shit right with our lives. And we did. We put things into motion this year that yeah. kind of put us, we're ending the, I'll say this, we're ending the year in a lot of a healthier, more balanced way then we started the year that's yeah i've
1: backslid a, a bit more than you but uh yeah i'm looking i'm looking to uh you know luke it, it's fun being the the goofball show but i think we got a taste of of uh of what it's like to uh to take over the, the business to take over the industry okay and it feels I, good i
0: think we do uh, mm-hmm. I, i'm really proud of what we did this year dude thank you for everything you did this year thank you for covering for me on monday and everything else big and small and Um, 2022 is going to be fucking awesome, dude. We're going to be the, it's it's not, we went gas and now brakes. It's we hit the gas pedal and now we're going to drive it even further to the floor. So I'm excited. So one more time, I want to thank the crew. I want to thank everyone at CBS. I want to thank everyone at Showtime who made this possible. I want to thank all the viewers, everybody who makes this what it is from Brian Campbell all the way down to just the viewers who have only seen it even one time. Thank you. Thank you so much for making MK what it is. We'll be back in next week. It will be back in twenty twenty two and it is more, not less, of everything we've already
1: put. Uh Luke, to close, last year we gave the uh Donk of the Year award to to one web screen. This year you and I and the staff have not voted on it yet. But uh do you have any feeling who's the clubhouse leader in the Donk of the Year stand David David A from France just made a he made a move right there.
0: Yeah. I mean Damien he, the Donk put he, us he, he, on his body. He wrote he, wrote, wrote he yeah he wrote a song and he put a lot of effort into it, you could see. But Damien got a tattoo. Sorry, that's the Trump card. I don't know what you could put above that as a, as a show of loyalty. That's 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 probably number one. You know, you can name uh, your kid Morning Combat, you know, and that would be cool. That, that would
1: be an interesting move. Yeah. All right. I wonder who was our first listener to get arrested. <laughs> it's probably
0: already happened, actually. Probably Jay Aaron.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, all right. thank well, you. That's it. All that's right. it.
0: Yeah. For Brian Campbell for CBS Sports for Malka. For Showtime and everybody else Thank you for making 2021 what it was We'll see you next week, we'll see you next year And until then, may all of your gains Be loyal